Are you humming? Mm, 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 mm. I think it's a song I just made up. It goes like this. It's kind of catchy, kind of catchy. You gotta admit. Yeah, the the uh, sort of atonal nasal humming really sells it. <laughs> I had a friend in college who I was housemates with who was uh, very kinetic. He's always in motion, um, always uh, had something going on. And um, I learned, I accidentally, by living with him, I learned something from him that I'm still suffering from to this day, which is, first of all, adding lots of sound effects, <laughs> unnecessary sound effects to things that I do. And also uh, having, having a, a little song uh, when you do certain things. So, give me an example of the sound effect. Uh, bonk. Or like, uh, or, you know, s- stuff like that. So, but do you say this out loud when you do something? Well, frequently, yeah, for years I've said bonk. Like, that's something I'll say. Yeah, but, but when? When does when do you say that? Oh, you know, like a bumping, <laughs> bumping into some something type situation. So, after or, you see, bump into it? Well, maybe, yeah, like as you're, or, you know, yeah, it could be like a little kid bumps into something, you go bonk. You know, that kind of thing. But the one I really picked up, I mean, I can't think of others right now. The other one I picked up was um, he would do this little, like a little kind of like mouth version of like a little trumpet voluntary, like a little celebratory. Like he'd, he'd finish, you know, flipping the eggs and he'd go, hmm, hmm, And I still do that. <laughs> That's like the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> or he would go like, he'd just be like, um, he just finished doing one thing in one room and walk into the other, go, hmm, 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 Or like, hmm, 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 hmm. And I still kind of do that. <laughs> Sometimes I sing a little song to myself. Reason number 927 why we have to have your wife on this podcast no, at some point. And you're like, no, what, no, is no. It, what is it like living with Merlin? It's like, well, he travels from room to room making sound effects and humming songs to himself. And uh, that's just what he does. I make a lot of, I, may, I have a lot of voluntary and involuntary noises that I make. Cause, and sometimes I really do, I feel a little bit like a cartoon character. You know, like you never do that. You never look at something, your eyes get big and you go, oh, you never do that. I don't think so. Don't think so. I bet you're very different in private life. Uh, I don't make sense. I mean, I'm trying to think of like, if I think things in my head. So, I mean, you have a song in your head or something like a. But you never do like a bump, bump, bump or something like that. Not, I don't think so. I mean, if I had to do something like that, it would be as part of the you know, entertaining children kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it if there weren't any kids there, but if there are kids there and I'm doing something with them, I may add a flourish to something to try to get them interested in it or to try to induce more eye-rolling, which is hmm. the more oh, more likely yeah. reaction these days. Okay, well, here's... I couldn't sleep the other night, and I was thinking, I had this thought, and I was thinking this, and I was going through all of my friends and asking myself this same question. Uh, do they ever just sing? And I was thinking, you know, John Roderick, I'm pretty sure he just sings. Sometimes he's singing right now. I bet he's <laughs> sitting there eating in the a bathtub. sub in the bathtub, eating eating a sandwich, doing the crossword. Uh, I bet he sings to himself, and you know he likes his family. He's a, a singing family. I was trying to think, like, is he Dan? I don't, I don't imagine Dan singing. I could see Mike Hurley singing. Uh, who else do I do shows with? Um, uh, now, what about you? Do you ever just sing? Like that you uh, forgot Max and Alex. That was nice. You don't listen to that show. You don't know who they are. So I know who they are. You can't leave them out because... (laughs) You think I have too many podcasts? 
No, I'm just saying, like, you're going through all the people and you, like, pointedly left them out. I feel like if, if they listen to this show, which they don't, they would have their feelings hurt. I think I could very, very much imagine Alex singing, not least because she's very into musicals and I know her wife is utterly obsessed. She's got a Hamilton tattoo. She's obsessed with Hamilton. And so, okay, here's another one. You just walk around the house. You go bump, 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 bump. Yeah, well, I'll just do that sometimes. Because, like, if I'm going to enter the room, I need <laughs> some you big entry. The, the entry needs to be heralded. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I need, I, need a, I need a private silver surfer. Now, Max, he's tougher. You know, Max, you don't listen to the program, so you don't know. But he has started employing the techniques of Les Mis to getting out of meetings. So his, his new thing is... <laughs> what techniques are those? Stealing well, bread? He's standing close, yeah. F- five years for the bread, 15 for... He stands up and he says, something's just come up. And there's none but me who can intercede. And he walks out of the room. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he runs the company. Into the ground. <laughs> now, what about you? Do you ever just do you ever just sing? I don't, I don't see you being much of a singer. I can't I can't carry a tune. Like, I'm, I'm, my voice is not a, a functioning instrument. But don't you get so. like Amy Mann songs in your head all the time? Isn't that one well, of your so, things? I, I wasn't done. But anyway, like I, right. I can't actually sing. So, you know, some people can get like, even if you put like, even if I was highly motivated, I can't actually hit the notes. And uh, the worst part is people think like, oh, you, you know, you don't have any, what is the word they use? Like, you don't, you don't, you can't hear sound. It's not like you don't have a uh Oh, that you're like t- tone or deaf whatever. or that you. Yeah, tone have, deaf. There you go. Yeah. I'm not tone deaf. So as, as is the case with all things like. I could, I know what sounds right and what doesn't. I just can't make those noises, which makes it even worse because then you know how how bad of a singer you are. So, singing when other people are around tends not to happen because I don't want to torture people like that. But I'll sing in the car, you know. Yeah. All right. Good. I, I'm. This is good. This is uh. This saves this one for me. Usually, no one is there. Occasionally, I will sing three or four words when my kids are in the car just to torture them. I'm like on purpose because it's the worst thing that could ever happen. <laughs> we to them. love is the it? bus go round and round. Yeah, they don't. They don't want to hear. Even my wife, who can carry a tune, they hate it when she sings in the car too. So they really do not want either parent singing anything. Luckily, or well, I don't know. It depends. My wife can't remember the lyrics to any song ever. So she can, you must love she, that. she can carry a tune, but has no idea what the words are, even to songs that she's heard a hundred times. Whereas I know all the words, but can't carry a tune. Uh, it's a great combination. Yeah. It's like kind of like a gift of the Magi type situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. I'm, uh, you've made me more acutely aware of this. I'm, I'm becoming very aware of the increasing number of things um, that, I, that I unintentionally am doing to humiliate my child forever. I thought I've made you become aware that you're just a uh, a giant bundle of ticks and impulses. Uh, I'm not that. That doesn't. That's that doesn't bother me that much. Now we need. Now I want a film crew to follow you around to see what. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a fine line between person who like hums to himself while he works and someone who maybe looks a little bit like like they might need. Uh, I don't know someone to help them. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair. I'm going to add a new topic to the new topic. Did you, see, did you see the new topics? I did. I saw you did a good job of uh, Thank you. organizing some stuff there. Yeah. Well, I, in order to avoid all these ones where you're going to try and back me in a corner with your good cop stuff. You see, I put it in. <laughs> not, that's not a... It's, oh, it is. It's oh, no, no, no. Nice try. Nice try. Finally, <laughs> my chance of vindication. forever. My chance. Oh, no, 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 no. Finally, my chance at vindication. It looked like I almost had an opportunity to out you. 
as the good cop, I was finally going to get a chance to state my case. You call me the good cop on every show. You this beat is the like a tar secret. out of me last week. This week, you have to be nice to me. That's in the rule book for, for uh, reconcilable I don't, differences. I don't, think, I don't think that's true. You've added a phrase. To, you added this phrase in quotes, right? That's you, right? Yes, I did add that because you sent it to me in a message yeah, today. That, that's, said, oh, that's, that's a good a topic. You do. That's a thing you do. Yeah. And then I put in a picture of Admiral Akbar from the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you get the, the reference? Yeah, I got it. I'm with you. Tap the Tony Sindelar. Yeah, I'm going into that one. <laughs> but no, but good cop, break. bad cop has been there forever. Good uh, cop, bad cop was fine until you added the phrase in quotes. I you we talk about all this on the show. I'm gonna be shunned. I'm already shunned from the slack. Who's shunning I, you? I can't. Who's shunning you? Oh, come Tell me who's on. shunning you. I'll, I'll go talk to them. I'll never. No one is shunning you. I'm shunned. I am shunned. I show up. I show up in that slack after talking about that phrase in quotes. Forget about it. Wait, what slack? What slack are you being shunned? Listen, I'm an ally. Um. <laughs> so <clears throat> here's the thing. Yeah, songs in your head. I've added that to the list. So you know the thing is for me. Uh, sleep is important to me. I try to be a good sleeper, but I have this, I'm trying to become, as you know, I have dreams. Oh, we didn't talk about my new dreams. I've been writing down my dreams again. Could I add that mm-hmm. to the list? Mini topic. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't put that on the list for a reason. Why is that? Because I don't think people want to hear about your dreams. Oh, that's not true. I that's, think what, hearing the Scarlett about- Johansson, the Scar Hearing dream? about you writing, why you write down your dreams, that I think like has a, is an angle, but just the dreams themselves, maybe not so much. Oh, it's such a good dream. And then I had the next night I had a dream about understanding the significance of, <laughs> I understood the significance of boxes in my dreams for the first time. <laughs> in a dream, you understood this. Yes. But when I woke up, it was still. I would still, say that might not be trustworthy. It was still there. Uh-huh. It's like and a Wes Anderson sense? shot. Now, I didn't write this down. I'm just winging this. But it's like a mm-hmm. Wes Anderson shot, like a 40 millimeter lens. And there's some frequently something box shaped in the middle of the, of the <laughs> mise-en-scene. Box shaped? Yes, it could be the it could be the glass hotel room with ScarJo and the helmet, right? <laughs> Eleven precise draining holes is that the one? It was seventeen. It was seventeen specific holes. <laughs> okay, I'm coming back to that one. Let me go ahead and read it. It only take a second here. All right, all right. Opening up the Envialt. Uh, so, oh, so so as I'm doing that, my problem is, <sighs> I get songs in my head. I get, I mean, and I like, and it repeats over and over while I'm trying to sleep. Everybody gets that, right? Well, yeah, maybe while, not with the trying to sleep, but everyone gets songs in their head, right? Like, I I think, well, what's the worst one you ever had? What is the song that you had in your head that was either there the longest or was the most stubborn or both? Like, that you couldn't get it out. It's not there every day, but the song, a song that I don't even like, that has been my in my head at least a little bit, almost every day since I was nine, um, I think, was uh, called... Uh, uh, you sexy thing. I know it. I know the song. Yeah. So, bong, 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 bong. and but the, the part that goes, did you hear this on the radio? Or uh, you have it a was this one summer, maybe seventy five or so. It was just, uh, it was on AM radio constantly, and it just, uh, it it just goes around and around. So frequently now, it'll be a song from a musical, like frequently something from Hamilton, will just be like playing on a loop in my head as I'm trying desperately to go back to sleep. So so another thing, a thing that I do is I frequently, when I have to wake up to, to, to urinate, as a man does, I go back to bed and I, I make this noise. I go, hmm, and I start having anxiety. That's <laughs> I another wonder one. if that's, I, I really do wonder if your reproduction of the noises you think you make has any bearing on the actual noises that you, you would, do that's make. Exactly, that's exactly the kind of thing that you would say. That's exactly, that was such a you thing to say. No, no, it, no, just was like, you know, you can't, like, especially if it's involuntary. I think I learned older, it from Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate. I, I think that might have been where I picked it up. And now when I'm a little anxious and I have a thought I don't like, I go, hmm, 
So I, I lay in bed and I say to myself, you can do it. You can capture bonus sleep. And bonus sleep is when you're able to get past whatever the anxiety is and go back to sleep for hopefully an hour. Now, if you can manage to go through two, two cycles of that, it's called double bonus sleep. So that's always going. And then if you get three, that's like multi-ball. So that's, that's my goal is to get at least bonus sleep so that I sleep until at least like 6, 6.30. So this is what I had. This is um, March 12th. All the rage was the Scarlett Johansson branded protective helmet. It's a colorful helmet. It is a planter with 11 specific draining holes, and it's an important crucible for ideas. We met at a media event held at a junior high. Scarlett was polite but perfunctory. Then there was a small <laughs> hotel room with glass walls and doors, the box, stocked with herbal bourbons. Ice machine didn't work. Scarlett said, no way am I drinking that shit. She was serious and smart. Might be Las Vegas. I like how you get uh, sort of partially snubbed by celebrities even in your dreams. <laughs> Look who's like, talking. She was there. Look she was nice, talking. but you could tell. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I ain't mad. I mean, like, she was just a professional lady. Yeah, well, but she's got, she's got she, you know, she's got better things to do than to show up in your dreams. This wasn't like some sexy dream Scarlett Johansson. This no, was like no, the person not. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, exactly. 11 specific draining holes. Mm-hmm. It's an important crucible for ideas. Yeah, sounds like it. What made the helmet a Scarlett Johansson branded helmet? Did it have a print of her head on it? That's a super good question. No, I think it's partly because she was there. But in my head, you know, it was a dream. So it was mostly a colorful planter with draining holes. And, mm. and she was there. So it was like an ersatz helmet. And all then right. all I remember was the phrase, it's an important crucible for ideas. That was, that was something I thought in the dream. So these, these, these descriptions, are, are they in the dream? Are, like, are you thinking these words in the dream? Or is this after the dream you write down... Like, like, I'm wondering where the words come from. That's, that's a good, another good question. Uh, this is the voice of the narrator of my dreams. Is, so, the, is the narrator you? I don't know. It's James I'm, Earl Jones? Who is it? I, <laughs> it's more dream than man now. It just kind of works through me. I'm a vessel, John, with 11 specific draining holes. Just, I don't know. I don't know. It's a little bit in my head, I think, now. And I've, I've thought this before this television show existed. But I, it reminds me just a little bit of Patrick Warburton on um, Lemony Snicket. Maybe, maybe you know, kind of like uh, The Tick Meets Rod Serling is the narrator, but he has, he has a slightly formal way of talking, a slightly slight distance from the dream, so he can narrate it. <laughs> I know the words when they're right. All right. All right. She, wasn't, she wasn't having... I wasn't trying to get her drunk or something. This is, this is the actual person. This was not a sexy thing. Mm-hmm. Realizing the pattern of the big box in the center. It's been in many dreams. Small office building last night. The Scarlet and Bourbon Hotel. Saturday night. Hmm. Three songs. <laughs> like gets... bad beat poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Scarlett Johansson, hose in the head, draining with an important crucible. Mulch, mulch. So got that worked out. Songs. So I, you know, I just want to pat myself on the back. Uh, I'm going to keep you away from getting me into trouble, Akbaring this podcast away from me. This is the week when you have to be nice to me. I was just adding it to the list. It's way down. It's low in the list. It's not at the top. We have many, many, many topics. Uh, songs in my head, right? Before we leave that topic, the one, the worst one I had oh, sorry. in yeah, memory. Yeah. Um, let me count it up. First five notes of Kid A, the song Kid A from the album Kid A. Um, Kid A, Kid A. No, you know, do you know that song? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's the song that's got the little bleepy bloopy kid a kid a kid a at the beginning. I'm trying to remember how. The- no, it doesn't. It's like it's like a like a synth, couple notes of synth before the song kicks off. 
Okay, I gotta listen. And to this was a problem for a couple of reasons. This is when OK Computer came out. So like, what was that ninety something? All right. So this OK is, Computer was ninety seven. Yeah. So that's that's when this started, and it hung on pretty doggedly for like a year, and then it had a couple of recurrences, and it was really bad because, first of all, Kid A is not your typical pop song anyway, mm-hmm. right? It's not, and but I wasn't, the part that was stuck wasn't the hook, like your I Believe in Miracles. Like it wasn't the chorus. It wasn't anything like that. And it was really, really short. So just that little bit would repeat because it would do those little notes and then go off into the sort of. Is it Kid A or everything in its right place? Oh, you got it. You're right. Sorry. Because uh, right I've had, place. no, no, no. The funny part is I've totally had everything in its right place. I've totally had that, that line in my head. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. I got the song wrong. It's, it's, it's everything in its right place. Oh right? God, I, that song's the worst. And but I wouldn't get to the core. All that I would get is a do 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 do, and like and and that's it. And then it would just cycle back into the beginning. It, it would like trail off, and then it would cycle back to the beginning. So I could never progress in the song in my oh, head. No, and no, it stayed there. Re- and you, every time you thought it was gone, you just turn around and look at something else, and those notes would play again. That was that was a tough one. Oh, I like that song. Yeah. I still like that song. But. It's a really that was their one. So Kid A was two thousand. That was their one after OK Computer. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that OK Computer is a good record. They're a really good band. It, it took me a long time to come around with them. I mean, I always like Paranoid or like the dun da 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 ba 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 da ba. I always like that song, but I just I thought, oh god, this is this is such a Jason Kotke band. These guys are so overrated. And then I don't know what happened. I just got so impossibly into OK Computer, and like that and Wu Tang Clan was like all I would listen to. <laughs> what a potent combination. Yep. 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 Users directed. Other, please remember to like and subscribe. Songs in your head. Yeah, so that's a problem for me. But you're, you're, uh, we're simpatico on this one in that like, I mean, everybody's had, as the Germans say, an earworm. Like you get this song and it keeps going through your head. And at first you're not even like aware it's in your head. Funny new phenomenon. Uh, now my, my, you ever have this phenomenon where like, you, you've certainly had the phenomenon where you suddenly start going like, uh, whatever, row, row, row your boat or whatever. You get some song in your head and then you have to like figure out how, it got in your head? Like, was it like bumper music on Marketplace? Like, where, why is this song in my head? We get a phenomenon now in my house where my daughter and I both get a song in our head at the same time, which I'm pretty sure means we both heard it on Marketplace or something. Or if she heard you say it out loud involuntarily. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, think, I'm, very, I'm very vulnerable to getting an idea or a song in my head. All right. So what are we going to, oh, we skipped over a bunch of stuff here. Well, we so, got, you know, we go, this, I, I feel uh, like. I got, I got to zoom way back up the top. We just, we, the, the ritual shaming will be brief, wow, but it, but it exists. I, I, don't you know, it's, this is the alternate week. No, it's quick. It's brief, brief. All, All right. right. So this is, this is our, our, our follow-up that we should have done earlier. Things Merlin may or may not have finished watching. Okay. Uh, Sound of My Voice. Oh, that, that movie, Sound of My Voice, the Brit Marling movie? Mm-hmm. I, uh, <clears throat> I have not watched, uh, the end of that yet. All right, so you have, you have uh, my main question is whether, you know, A, have you finished it? And B, like, have you made progress since the last time? No, for no, maybe, no, maybe I started watching, yeah, you're the worst. So, uh, yes, I heard about that. Mm-hmm. All right, Battle of the x Plane. Sound of my voice, I'm definitely going to watch the end of that um, at some point. Because mm-hmm. I bet it's important. I bet it's important. Battle of the x Plains. Battle of the x Plains definitely watched easily 20 minutes of the first episode. All right, Millennium Actress. Millennium Actress, uh, I have not finished. Uh, yeah, you got to start to run over at that, that point. Well, I watched, I watched the first 10 minutes. It looks very ambitious. I can already tell I'm really going to like it. It's got like a spaceship and there's a girl and they're mm-hmm. talking. 
it looks very sophisticated. So probably when we're done recording tonight, I will probably mm-hmm. watch. And I'll I start it over. M- yeah. I bet there are more on this list, but I don't remember them. Do you want, do you want to add anything to this list? Did I forget any? Other things. God, there's a book from Back to Work I was supposed to read two years ago. I still haven't read. I don't, I don't care about that one. We're only the only things that are relevant to the show. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm trying, you know, we had the other, there were other animes, but I think it was determined by Professor Syracuse that I start with a Millennium Actress. Now, Scar, ScarJo's, ScarJo's in Ghost in the Shell, you know, that she, ScarJo's in that. Uh, yes, it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I should probably watch the cartoon, uh, before I see the live The cartoon, action. yes. That's what you should watch. Okay. All right. That's, that's what they call it in the biz. And you still haven't watched Summer Wars? No, I, I haven't, also haven't started it. You gotta, you gotta still, you gotta lots of Zelda to play. I do. I, you know what? I, I love hearing you be enthusiastic about things. You're, you're, you can be such an unpleasant man. It's really nice to hear you. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. No, no, it's this, a compliment. It's so nice to hear you excited this, about this it. Sandwich. You gotta let me see what's gonna be on the other side. I, I can't <laughs> wait to see what the bottom bun is. <laughs> I've noticed the subtle shift in the last, I don't know, couple of years. I used to get the compliment sandwich from people, and now I find increasingly I get what I'm gonna call the open face compliment sandwich. Which is first somebody says something nice, and then they mainly say like three paragraphs or something mean. So it's the compliment sandwich. The compliment is the middle part, yes. and then you have you had mean things above and below. But what you're getting the open face one is you get the compliment and then a bunch of bad stuff. I don't just even below. get a second compliment. Yeah, no, like a roast beef sandwich is not two pieces of roast beef with bread in the middle, right? Compliment sandwiches you say the blah. Sandwich is the nice thing on top, which is the bread, and then you get the in the middle, which is they say mean things about you, and then nice things at the bottom. Right, so they surround the mean thing with two nice things to try okay. to make you, like, ease you into it and ease you out of it, but still accept the middle. That part, sounds right? very similar to a compliment sandwich. Compliment sandwich is if you're going to criticize your employee, you start by saying, "Listen, Brendan, we're very mm-hmm. excited to have you on the team. You're doing a heck of a job with your pearl check-ins." And you say, "But you've got to figure out how to uh, left control your brackets because that's causing." Uh, trouble when you push it to production by the way excellent necktie your friend john yeah it's the same thing that it's just a different phrase like what is the sandwich and i feel like the the, the bad part is in the middle so that's not the compliment a compliment oh, sandwich i see what you're saying you know that's a yeah. good point but I'm, my, my, the one that i said will not require mike to do any editing well he's yeah. up for it he is he's a gamer mm-hmm. <laughs> two and a half hours <laughs> We'll keep this one short. Sometimes we got to keep him on his toes. Sometimes he might have to edit for length. I know. Uh, Mike Mike was editing. Uh, the, so listen, if you wanted to call in during the Zelda episode, you, you should have called. You should have recontacted us during the arrival episode. Uh, Mike uh, contacted us on Slack to say, I think he just dropped in the quote, let's make it a short one today. And that was what? It was an hour and 40 minutes in? Something like that? It's probably you saying that because I don't think I would have said that. I was trying so hard. You've been so mean to me last week. I'm nope, trying to. Nope. You, it's because you sharpened my knife. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I did that last week. Is that right? It's not about being. It's not about being mean. Oh, oh, it's about being mean. You, you look <sighs> like a bar brawl. Ridiculous. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you know. Sometimes there's a man. Got to get the bad blood out. Oh yeah, go, go to the mattresses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We was all real proud of you. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Casper. You can go to casper.com slash diffs. And if you use the very special offer code diffs, you're going to get $50 toward any mattress purchase. You guys know Casper. 
Casper is a company that is focused on sleep. Casper has created one perfect mattress that it sells directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven and inflated prices. Casper's award-winning mattress was developed in-house. It has a sleek design and is delivered in an impossibly small box. In addition to their mattress, Casper now also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. An in-house team of engineers spent literally thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. So, you know, it's probably no surprise. They've received over 20,000 reviews online with an average of 4.8 stars. Not bad. Casper's mattress is made of a supportive memory foam. It's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design helps you to regulate your temperature throughout the night. So Casper makes quality mattresses at great prices, but you know what? They are designed and developed in America. They have cut the hassle and the cost of dealing with showrooms, and they pass those savings directly to the consumer. I know whereof I speak. I very recently bought a second Casper mattress for our household. It's for my daughter, and she loves it. She uh, she thinks it's just the best. She stacked it on top of two other mattresses, so now she seems kind of like a uh, princess in the pea type situation. Love the Casper. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free, and Casper now offers free delivery and free returns to the U.S., Canada, and yeah, now the U.K. too, Govna, all with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything because Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially given that's where you're going to spend about a third of your life. Got to remind you right now, you get $50 toward any mattress purchase. You go to casper.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S, and use the very special offer code DIFFS. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Casper for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, we're recording this uh, on the evening of March 21st because of scheduling reasons. This one's going to be really, really, uh, it's a long time between recording and putting it out. So it's going to be an everything. Yeah, I like the idea that you didn't wanted to make sure that it wasn't too topical as if we would discuss current events that would uh, then like this would be released like three weeks from now and people would be disappointed because the events we're discussing are no longer current as if yeah. we ever discuss current events on the well, show. I want to make sure our memes stay dank, um, you know, uh, with J- Justice Gorsuch and, and whatnot. Yeah. Well, see, you just you just ruined it right there. <laughs> but three wow. weeks from now, the no one will know who that is. Did you see Maggie Haberman's uh, New York Times article tonight? Uh, I don't think so. <sighs> Man, house on fire. Her and that uh, what's the name? Jason Thrush. Two of them. Woo boy. Oh, they can write. <clears throat> Keeping it topical. So we've got many, many, many topics and some possible. So I have added by my count. <laughs> At least five new topic ideas, so we can avoid talking about good cop, bad cop. Some of them are old that have been recycled, but that's fine. Well, I'm not, I, I, I'm not quite up for the the idea of a new section called new topic ideas. Just put it in the thing called topics, and then just sort them. I renamed the other one older topics. I see. I see what you did. I haven't added emoji yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but see, you're going to go dead to this. You know, you're you you're going to zone out. You're going to look at what the section I'm calling older topics. You see the picture of Admiral Akbar. You're going to tune out. You see, uh, you see the consistency uh, eggplant. You look at that, dead. Like okay, Civil War and Deadpool. We can just take that out. We're not going to talk about those, right? Yeah, that's that's. Uh, can I take that out? It's gone now. Yes. Okay, taking it out now. Vid Angel taking that out. They're basically SOL. They're done. Vid Angel. 
pretty well. Taking that if out. All, if only we had talked about them, maybe they'd still be around. Sure, sure, we would have had nice things to say. I can't believe they lasted as long as they did. They're still struggling along, trying to have an offering. I cannot believe they lasted as long as they did. Did, did you ever sign up and try it? No, 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 no. Really? You told me about it, but like it's not something that I wanted to try. It's crazy. I mean, I can't. So VidAngel was this service that like many uh, services that preceded it was intended to be something where you could, you know, have your own preferences about like, you don't like to see certain kinds of violence or you don't want to see sex or you, you don't want to hear cursing. And instead of having one arbitrary cut that you would get like on a DVD, in this case, VidAngel was a service. There's so much about this that is bonkers. The one thing was, why am I talking about this? They're, they're not doing the thing. But still, tell me how this ever existed. So you go in and you, you set up an account. You go in and you say, I don't want to see boobies. I don't want to hear the F word. I don't like stabbings. Like whatever it is, you go in and have your basic settings. And it's not a, not a bad app for a website. You go in and set all this up. Now, then not, so that's, this is crazy enough. And it'll show you previews of what this movie that you're about to stream will look like once all these sounds and words are cut out once all of these basically scenes are cut out to feature these things you don't want to see. Doing this on The Big Lebowski, very entertaining. Now here's the rub. I think the way it worked was you get credits. You put in money for credits. You pay $20 <laughs> to essentially buy this movie. What does that mean? They are technically buying a physical DVD copy every time that you, I think this is the way it works, that you go and buy this movie. But here's the thing. When you're done watching the movie, you, I'm making air quotes here, you virtually return it and you get 18 of your $20 back. So you stream a movie for $2. And this was up for definitely, I mean, how long has it been in notes? It had to have been for like what, like a year? And I watched three or four movies that way. But like just, I mean, even setting aside all the editing. Hey, wait, wait, you watch three or four movies with the edits and stuff? Um, mostly as an experiment. I did the Big Lebowski just to see what it would look like. And this was at the time when um, my daughter was really into the idea of Hunger Games. And I wanted to see what that would look like with some of the violence cut out. So, yeah. And you just you just stream it. You could stream it to your uh, Apple TV. Yeah, that's not that's not the way to do it. If you don't want movies with stabbings, don't watch a movie with stabbings. I feel like that's a solution. Yeah, yeah it's understandable. Understandable. Uh, you don't need you don't need to do any more backlog grooming here. As the kids say. The rest of this um, is uh, evergreen. You're, you're never going to watch Barkley Marathons, are you? I don't know. It's like, it's it's in there. Why don't we go to your some of your new topic ideas? They're fresh. They're new. Let's so fresh, grab they're one of those. Don't you think those are fresh? They're Sure. And they're almost all pretty good. Yeah, so why don't you pick one? Well, do you want to go through mini topics? Do you want to talk about my cat? Oh, that's right. I, I think I've scrolled nah, too sorry. far. You, you don't have to. Dreams, we covered that. We're setting them up and knocking them down tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, laptop is too topical. We'll save yeah. that one. Especially if we'll give you some more time with it. Do you want to talk about follow-up? Uh, uh, let me look at the many topics. This is yeah, we're gonna save. All, all as many topics we'll keep. Uh, from the topics, do you want to talk about? Which one do you want to do? <laughs> from new, new topics ideas or older yeah. topics? New topic ideas. I like, I like follow-up uh, as a thing. I, I have not heard you opine at length about the woolly, uh, multi-armed, multi-headed monster that has become the notion of follow-up. I would like you to have the opportunity to address what follow-up was for and how you feel about where it's gone as a podcast concept. 
I kind of got a redux on my place in the couch. I wanted to talk about what things in your life need to be a certain way and what kinds of things you don't care about. And I'm very interested in the topic of housework and house duties. What do you enjoy? The concept of picking one. It's not the same as reading the list of things. It's more about the selection mm-hmm. of a single one of the things. Selection of a single Designating it as okay. the one that we're going to talk about. And by me saying that it's something that you should do, it's, uh-huh. it's basically me saying, I want to know what you would like to do. Because okay. almost whatever you pick will be fine with me. Okay, okay. We could also do the concept of preparation. No, nope. We could talk about when you decide to change your mind about things. We could talk about exercise. How does it even work? <laughs> so, uh, what do you think? Did you, think did you, you, did you want me pick to pick? One. You want me to pick? I, that's what I want. Which one do you like? What I want is a guarantee. What I want, what's important to no me. More. No See, more. I, no more attempts. No. What I want, what's important. Yeah, right. There is a. It's what, what a I want. What is important to me. What's really important to me. What's really important to me. I don't know exactly. No yet. more attempts on my father's life. On my father's life. What's most important to me? Yeah, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Uh-huh. What I want. What's most important to me is that I have a guarantee. Did I Did I get it? Did I narrow down on it eventually? You, I think you got pretty close. What I want, what's most important to me is that I have a guarantee, Colin. No more attempts on my father's life. Yep. There you go. What guarantees so, could I one. give you, Mike? I'm the hunted one. <laughs> I, I am the hunted movie. one, he says. He doesn't say I'm the hunted one. He says I am the hunted one. You should file a bug. Whoever did this on Wikipedia, they are on the uh, IMDb. They got Maybe it he says I'm the hunted one. He frisked a thousand young punks. Yep. But He's just terrific. enjoying his meal. He's got yeah. a napkin tucked in. Yeah. <laughs> but you got you to ask him. You ask him if you can go to the, go to the bathroom. No, he didn't ask me. I got to go to the bathroom. No, that, but he, see, that's what statement. he told him. Remember? That's right. You got to ask. Told but he's him. so angry. He's so angry. He can't. Can't bring himself. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom. What I want. That makes them both look up. That makes them both go. Hmm. 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 Mm. It's a nice family place. It's got mm. one of those old, old, uh, one of those old toilets. Mm, for old time's sake. Pick a topic, Jeez. We could do follow up as a thing. Which, I, as you can see here, I bumped that as a topic. I, the tone uh, of your voice and the little song that you're singing makes me think you're about to read a second item. <laughs> what do you like? Do you like? Do you like any of these? I like all of them. That's why I'm asking you to pick one. You know what drives me crazy? It drives me crazy when you say to somebody, what would you like for dinner tonight? Have we talked about this? I don't like it when you say to somebody, what would you like? Or, or what do you, where do you want to go for lunch today? Is an even better one. And they say, I don't care, whatever you want. It's frustrating because I'm, 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 I want your help with this. I want you, I want you to tell me what you would like. Because, you know, I'm not whacking an opinion out of here. But, but the problem is that, that you get two people who want the same thing. Both people don't want to make the choice. They just want the other person to make the choice and they want to agree to it. And then they go, hmm. Well, that's the fake out one. The one where they really don't... It's the one where they already have an answer in mind. They want you to say it so they can appear magnanimous, but still get what they want. In which case, you will pick something, and then they'll make some noises, and then you'll pick another one, and they'll make different noises. You pick another one, like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Great idea. Yeah. Really? Right. right? I'm not doing that. I just want you to pick one. We could do any of these. We could do follow-up. We could do um, housework and, and what I call house duties, deciding on the division of labor. Preparation. I'm not that interested in preparation. Which one did you have a thought on which one you want to do? Um, John Syracuse, I don't know if you invented this idea, but I think you are heavily credited with an idea of what has come to be called follow-up. My understanding- Stop right there. Stop right there. 
stop right there. This topic, which I'm I'm now officially deciding that you have selected by beginning. Oh my god. Right. Here's the thing. You think this topic is one thing, but it is something else. Oh it is something my. much, much worse than you thought it was. Oh much, my much god. Worse. I could be at home. It's a Tuesday. I could be at home right now eating chicken with my family. Mm-hmm. So here's here's why this one is worse than you where think. My, it, where my wife sleeps. <laughs> or where my children, children play, play with, with their, their toys. toys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you think this based on the bullet John, points? John, I'm picking the topic of follow up as a thing. Your right, right. Uh, please give me your opening remarks. Right. So based on the, the things in the notes here, it seems like you think this would be the, the uh, discussion of. The origins of follow-up, what doesn't doesn't count as follow-up, the reasoning behind it. That's not actually what this topic is about because everything I talk about has to be meta in some way. This mm. the reason I put this in the notes and took it out and then put it in and took it out, then put it in and took it out a million different times, and then it has now come back from the dead once again, zombie-like, mm. uh, by your hand this time in the mm. new topic I just think. Right. Um is because what I want to talk about is <laughs> what's really important to you. Yeah how how broken i am inside that <clears throat> this particular thing the 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 topic of follow up just eats away at me this is actually tied into like the the midlife crisis topic that is lurking somewhere it's down, down there. lower in the notes and is is sort of the background topic for everything we do on the show cuz you know yeah um that and kids it comes a point in a person's life a person of a certain age where you have occasion to look both forward and back on your life. Backward to see what have you accomplished and oh my forward. God, are you sick? And and <laughs> forward and forward to think about what might you still accomplish. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the midlife crisis thing is where you look back and see I haven't really done anything, I haven't done all the things I thought I was going to do and you look forward and think I'm never going to do any of those things. Because the road ahead of me does not look so great, and the road behind me, well, that's all in the past. Mm. Uh, you know, like that's that's the, the midlife crisis thing. You get a red sports car. Mm-hmm. You know, you cheat on your wife. It's the whole like, what have I done with my life? Uh, I need to do something rash or bold or something to try to make myself feel alive because it seems like everything that I was going to achieve is not going to happen now. Mm. Follow up. Um, <laughs> is, you know what? You got me. This is I, I, this is not, not what, what I thought, thought it was going to be. be. Right. That, but it kind of is. But we'll see. So follow up. Um, well, I thought, okay, now let me have my opening remark, which was I thought it was an opportunity. What I my guess, spoiler alert for, for, for John Syracuse, I thought it was going to be a chance for you to say about how follow up became important because of the way that you till your particular field and the way that you listen back for where you said something imperfectly. And then you want to make sure, I've always thought it meant that for the record, right, this is your chance to go read in questions after the congressional testimony is over or whatever. You get to go in and say, actually, that should be this. I was corrected. I want to public publicly announce, yes, that was correct. Here's the correction. We can close that loop. That's what I thought you were going to talk about. No. Yeah, I'll get to it in a second here. So okay. uh, back in 2011, I started a podcast called Hypercritical with Dan Benjamin. Uh, that was my first my first podcast. I think I'd been on one episode of The Incomparable, but The Incomparable was Jason Snell's podcast. So this was my podcast, Hypercritical. And I, you know, I came up with the title and the tagline for that show, the concept behind it, and also the format such as it was. And the format of the show is the first episode we talked about, like, I don't know, like TiVo or some crap like that. 
Um, and then in the second episode, uh, it began with a segment that I called follow-up where I would address things in the previous episode. And there are lots of categories, things that fall into follow-up. There are, most broadly speaking, it's like things that were said on the previous episode that you now either have more to add about or corrections. It's not the same as a feedback segment because it may be like, you know, we talked about this last week and since the week since then, I've been thinking about it and I have more to say. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that it occurs to me that something I said there was not quite precise or I would phrase it in a different way or I realized I'm wrong about it or I've changed my opinion or whatever. It also incorporates, hey, a bunch of people sent feedback and they said this and they said that and it made me think about this. But it's really, it was mostly about holding yourself accountable. Like, basically, it was the, you can define it as, you know, in the punk style. As, it's as, like an ad- advanced errata. Kind of. like it, it, It's like in the punk style, defining it as what it's not. What it's not is doing a show and then the next episode having it be like a, a Formula sitcom or Gilligan's Island where, like, the previous episode never happened. And it's just you start fresh. You know, like, there's no continuity. There's no not even any acknowledgement of anything that was discussed. Like, there's no... Like, you can say whatever you want, the show ends, and that you will never revisit that again and never even acknowledge that it happened. The follow-up is the opposite of that. Follow-up is the opposite of recognizing it did happen, and maybe there's more to say about it from yourself or from other people or just, like, holding yourself accountable and following up on the thing, right? Mm -hmm. And subsequently, every episode of Hypercritical began with follow-up for the previous episode, uh, culminating in, you know, they went 100 episodes, um, and in episode 100, I talked about uh, follow-up as well. Now... As far as I'm aware, follow-up, as I just described it, was entirely something that that I made up for the format of my very first podcast in 2011. doesn't mean that any other podcast didn't have feedback sections of their show or didn't talk about things that they had talked about in a previous segment. But starting the show with a little segment called follow-up that did the things that I describe is a... As far again, I, people are fallible. I may have heard it someplace else or whatever, but as far as I'm aware, it is a thing that I came up with. All right. And by episode 100, when I was looking back on the show, I discussed follow up in as one of the things that was uh, a problem with the show format because a lot of people found it off putting to start an episode with, you know, if you just jump in and you hear an episode, you're like, what is all this crap? I didn't hear the previous one. Why are they, you know, maybe it's like, it's like starting have been a meeting there. with old business. It totally makes sense. Right, or that the follow-up should have been at the end of the episode instead of the beginning or whatever, and I said it was potentially off-putting. But then also, um, in episode 100, I looked back on Hypercritical as it was and said, what what will be my lasting legacy from the Hypercritical podcast, such as it is, such as any lasting legacy you can have from a thing? And I thought that it would be follow-up because I'd been doing it for 100 episodes, and anyone who had listened to the show, that was like a signature part of the show, and it was a thing that I came up with, that I gave a name, and that I was very consistent with. Uh, and that by that point, a lot of people who had listened to Hypercritical had either started their own podcast or had already had their own podcast and had started referencing follow-up in their podcast in a joking, ironic way, you know, or referencing me directly. And eventually, from people who listened to Hypercritical started podcasts that had segments called follow-up in them. And what I what I talked about in the, the 100th episode of Hypercritical is like, eventually... People who don't know me and who've never even heard of Hypercritical, let alone heard a single episode, will find themselves with either a follow-up segment in their show or referencing follow-up having no idea where it came from. So the idea that my lasting right. legacy would be that I invented a thing called follow-up that lived that lived beyond me, beyond my little circle of people listening to my podcast that became, I don't know if you want to call it a meme or 
a, you know, an odd little format thing or whatever. Sometimes and, you sometimes you come up with a with a, a notion about something that uh, gets encapsulated with a certain title, and then people who have no idea what it's actually about keep using that title even when they don't know what the original really means. Is a thing right, I've heard. Or, you know, but but the, but the idea could that be, that could would be about be, email, for example. So it gets back to the midlife crisis thing. Like, what what have you accomplished in your life? Like, yeah. what what have you done that will stand the test of time? That will show that you have been here. That will spread beyond beyond yourself. That will transcend yourself. And I haven't done much, but I figured, gee, one thing that I've done is that whole follow up thing, which is by this point, I feel like it has spread outside the realm of people who know who I am or have listened to Hypercritical. It's still a tiny little circle. Don't get me wrong. It's still yeah. like one degree separated from people who personally know me, right? But still, it has spread. And these days, you go on, you know, many different shows on Relay, and uh, you will hear the phrase follow-up. And uh, you hear it on The Incomparable. You hear it on all sorts of, you know, people who are a couple of degrees separated from those circles. I thought I was okay I with do it. I do it on, on two, personally, I do it on two other shows, fully aware that I'm having a little fun with uh, a concept of yours. Right. Now... Here's where it gets uh, tricky. Like, I thought everything was fine with this until, until I started hearing people who know me personally, like you five minutes ago when I told you to stop. Hello. Say things like, you know, briefly have a meta conversation about follow-up, maybe because someone, you know, to loop someone in, like, what's the deal with follow-up or whatever, to say, oh, it's just this thing. And I remember when John did it, but it's not like he invented it. I don't know where it came from. And that takes my tiny little kernel of lasting legacy and stabs it in the heart and makes me think, like, is it impossible for me to to get credit for anything that I have done? Like, that even the people who directly know that follow-up came from me eventually forget and say, follow-up is just this thing that's in the air. Nobody invented it. It didn't come from anywhere. It wasn't anybody's idea. It has no origins. Follow-up has always existed. And... Or, you know, erasing me from history by saying, even this one thing that you thought you could do, accomplish in your life, nope, you didn't accomplish that either. Not that it's much of an accomplishment. That's why it's a midlife crisis. You think, what have I done that anyone is ever going to care about? Well, at least three other podcasts did follow up because they heard me say it. And they said, nope, actually, we're doing it because we don't know where it came from. It's just this thing, you know. You think I'm going to get into like, oh, what is and isn't follow up? No, I just desperately want credit for this one thing that I think I did. And every time someone talks about it, they they don't acknowledge it came from me or say flat out, John didn't invent follow up, but he's the first person that I remember doing it. I totally invented it. It's like the one thing I've ever made in my entire life that anyone else has ever given a damn about as evidenced by the fact that they use it. And no one thinks that I had anything to do with it, except that I happen to be there and maybe I'm the first one they heard to do it. And it kills me inside. Are you, so- are, you, are you kidding me? It is so pathetic and you're not, petty. You're not kidding. You're not, ki- you're not I kidding. I am not kidding. It is is the most pathetic and small and petty that I feel in my entire... <laughs> having these feelings, and yet, I'm being honest with you, I these know. are the feelings I have when I hear people say, I don't know where the hell follow-up came from. I heard John do it once, but he surely didn't invent it. I'm here to tell you now, as desperate and pathetic as I am, I totally invented follow-up. As far as I'm aware, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe I stole it from somewhere and someone listening to this said, actually, you didn't invent follow-up. You heard it on Marketplace the day before you recorded the first episode of Hypercritical, and that's where follow-up come from. But as far as I'm aware, I 100% totally invented it. And as far as I'm aware, the only reason that the vast majority of the shows that you listener listen to have follow-up in it is because of me. And I just want credit. That's mm. all I want. That's all I want is just to someone say, you know, whatever. It's not like we have to talk about follow-up, but if we do talk about follow-up to say, this came from John. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't believe that I invented it to say, the only reason I'm doing follow-up is because I heard this other person did it, who heard this other person did it, who heard John do it. That's all I want in life. 
and I know that makes me a terrible person. No, I no, know it makes it's, me it's small and petty, but no, it kills no, no. me inside. This is the, we can get into the midlife crisis thing where it's just like nothing. You could you you can have nothing. My offer is this: nothing, not even the you know the fee for the gaming license. Which I, I appreciate which I would, if you pay for out of your own pocket. Exactly. My offer is this on follow-up. Nothing. You did not invent it. In fact, mm. I don't even know where I first heard it, but sure as hell had nothing to do with you. And follow-up, that's just a thing that people do. That can't be a thing that you can invent. Oh, my God. I did not have this reaction in my bracket. No. I am very surprised by this. I I don't think it's... I don't think you should feel as bad as you're feeling about how you feel. We all have these feelings. But on the other hand... Jimmy Christmas, John, there's so many other things that you are really, really, I mean, setting, setting aside the OS 10 stuff, the legacy of but, what but, you but, did but, on hypercritical, but no, but no one will care about it. Like, like, here's the thing, things bigger than yourself. I think it has to eventually extend outside of the circle of people who know you, which I like, I'm fine with. I would totally want like, no, like it, that's the whole point as the circle I spreads, see, right? I see. It has to, but okay. I need, I need the core of people who actually did get it directly so from somebody, me and know me somebody to acknowledge three, that's where I came from. Uh, three, um, Kevin Bacon's away from you says, I do this thing on my show called follow up, which was definitely invented by a guy I had never heard of named John Syracuse. No, Everybody they can just knows. be like, I don't know why I do it. Come to think of us. I don't know why I do it. It's hurt somewhere. That's totally appropriate. But for the in for the one degree separated people to have forgotten the origins and mm. to remove credit, then it just makes it seem like, oh, it's just a thing a bunch of people do. And it's not just a thing a bunch of people do. No mm. one would be doing it if it wasn't for me. It wouldn't be everywhere. No one would be referencing it. There would be nothing. People could be doing something like that, but they wouldn't be calling it follow-up, and there wouldn't be follow-out and follow-in and all the riffs on it that other people have, have invented, right? Like, that's, yeah, it kills me. What, what, what can we do to make this right? Well, so here's the thing. I've already destroyed, like, again, I'm, I'm destroying my own legacy by talking about this, because the way it's supposed to work is I can't say anything about it, and other people have to give me credit. I can't give myself credit. Oh, it's, I can't like be like, it's like Wikipedia. You need other exactly. people to go in I'm, and do it. I am not a, you know, a reliable source. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. a tertiary source for this, right? So I'm yeah. not allowed to edit the Wikipedia page. So by talking about this topic at all, maybe I'm just destroying it and jinxing it, and it can never actually happen, right? But what I waited, what I've been waiting for years to happen is for somebody, anybody, to say unequivocally, I'll follow up, that comes from John. And just nobody would say it. And anytime anyone discussed it, they said the opposite. Like, well, I don't, it's not like someone invented this, but I think I first heard it. Like, I just, I just couldn't catch a break. So now here I am on my own show being pathetic and saying, hmm. I am putting a stake in the ground. Follow-up comes from me. I invented it. It is a thing. Who cares if it's good? Who cares if it's bad? All I want is the credit, such as it exists, for this one tiny pathetic thing that nevertheless has spread to at least five podcasts. Yes. At least, at least five, I'm going to say, and perhaps beyond that. Sing it, sister. You're out and proud. I will do, I will do my part. I'm going to encourage our editor, Mike, to do his part. We're going to make this right. I've already talked to Mike about it because he's one of the, cul- he is one of the culprits who on one of his shows said, he's, he's done some follow up. like creep. John invented follow up. Like, it, oh boy. Okay. It's, it's, it's the worst. And uh, there have been others. And that's the whole thing. Like before it was like, okay, well, the only way I can pull this off is by talking to people privately and saying, hey, I heard you talking about follow up. And saying you didn't know where it came from. Well, I think I know where it came from. And in case you forgot, it was me. And they'd be like, oh, okay. They don't care. Because why should they care? They don't care at all. Right? They don't, <laughs> I'm not trying like, to change the subject per se. But like, is there any sense in me trying to make a case for chucking you on the shoulder and saying that there are many, many other things that you've done that, that may have a more important legacy than those two words? Well, I mean, like, whatever. Like, you know, like, obviously my children count no, as the no, more important. No, about them. They're, <laughs> you know, I, they're not even going to be totally kids that much longer. That. Yeah. I'm totally on board with that. But like, uh, 
for things that spread be, again for things that spread beyond yourself like you could you can make some kind of here's the thing about those those things are vague like you can make some vague argument for like oh how many people here's an example from real life how many people who started reading Ars Technica because of my articles later became employees and important people and writers at Ars Technica there's yeah. a lot of people who work at Ars Technica now who will say oh the reason I came to Ars at all it was because of your OS 10 reviews years back, right? Mm-hmm. But that's kind of a vague, touchy-feely, like, maybe they would have come to ours anyway. Maybe they just remember my articles. Maybe they're just buttering me up. Like, it's not concrete. It's like, it's nice to hear, you know, that your your work has some influence. But it's a vague kind of influence. Because in the end, like, who's to say, right? Whereas this, I feel like, is concrete. It is as concrete as anything can be. It is a very specific thing with a name, with a clear provenance, right? Mm-hmm. That... That influence people, not just inspire them to do something similar, but to literally do the same thing with the same name. And in fact, to to riff on it and to have a remixes and variations with the follow out and the follow in and all that other stuff. Like, like it is so concrete and it is not is not vague and it's not like, uh, you know, changed in a way where you can't tell the origins. That's why I, I hung it, it in the same way. Like, I mean, I don't know, let me think of an example. Um if you had, uh, you know, who invented Perl or Python? Like, there's people behind those. Larry Wall wrote Perl. Guido von Rossmann, you know, wrote, or however you pronounce his name, mm-hmm. uh, wrote Python. Like, it, it is a thing in the world, and there may be other languages that are inspired by it, and the invention of Perl may have inspired Ruby or inspired, you know, some other language or whatever. But, but you, but you associate, I mean, Larry Wall's name is never going to get rubbed off of Perl. Right. Whereas lots of people could say, oh, uh, Larry Wall, I heard you speak at this conference and it, it inspired me to become a programmer. And I wrote like this really important piece of software that's part of Google. And like, the, you know, you can have outsized influence or whatever, but the direct thing, what is the thing that you made? And I've made so precious little that anyone can point to to say, here's an actual like like physical thing or you know what i mean like it's like writing a song or whatever. People can cover the song and have remixes of the song, but the song is the thing that you made. Right. And so follow-up is a thing that I made and not just like a one-time thing where like, who's to say I've heard it, but like I did a hundred episodes of it. And it was the one thing that most people took away from that podcast is like the whole follow-up idea and it, it spread far and wide. And that's, that's why I'm hanging on to this. And so, no, I don't think you need to tell me to like, oh, you're doing a bunch of other things that are right, important. Right. Like whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize the rest of the things I do. I'm just saying like, if you put them into bins, like of a type, like what type of thing? To take this off of my pathetic life for a moment, can you think of? I mean, for you, I guess it's inbox zero, right? Yeah, Imagine yeah. if people said inbox zero and they had and they said, "Well, what it's if not, like not even saying the words?" Zero. But yes, it's an extremely similar thing. And as long as you mention it, I'll just say it's extremely strange. And uh, I don't regret having done that stuff, but uh, I don't. Uh, I'm not trying to compare length and girth here, but that's an idea that got way beyond me, and where I didn't get to have ownership over what it meant, how it was used, how it was misused, it went pretty far and wide to where now pretty much every application in which I look at email contains that phrase at some point, which is a very, uh, very strange feeling. And it's not, it's not a happy feeling because it's like, you know, you start to feel, it starts to feel really Sisyphean. I mean, setting aside that like, I, I don't, I don't care about that idea so much anymore. It's like I ideas are free. I can have lots of ideas. And I I'm really am okay with that. The part that <clears throat> was very annoying and at occasions flatly galling was being told by other people what that thing meant and why it was bad. 
and not have, and first of all, I mean, frankly, just not having the energy to even go, you don't even understand what you're misunderstanding about this. I'm not saying this is a huge idea. This is a thing I wrote for my goddamn website about like how to be less stressed out about email. It's not going to cure cancer, but like, don't turn it into something that it's not in order to have a straw man that you can have some kind of turns out blog post about, you know, that, that, that was extremely galling, but I don't know. I didn't want to bring it up, but like, I do, I feel you like I, I, that it is a weird thing for something that you are responsible for to reach beyond the edges of your area of control outside your area of influence, and then really to pass into a place that's way beyond your area of awareness, like to where it gets a life of its own. So I don't know. I mean, I have probably real different feelings about that phrase than you do about yours. I I, I totally get that because like there is that aspect of follow up. It's like that's what that's what you see later in your bullet points that you put here. What counts as follow up? What is what is follow up actually like? What was the reasoning behind it? Where you would see people using the phrase and doing a segment of their show that is essentially follow up, but that they're getting some part of it subtly wrong. So like in the same way, people be talking about inbox zero. It's like, well, you're using the words. And Mm -hmm. it is related to email, and it is related to managing your email. But when it comes down to brass tacks, what you're actually doing does not is not exactly what I was talking about, right? Well, it would be it would be a little bit like saying you have a tip about how to get your housework done more efficiently that requires doing housework for 16 hours a day. It's like no, 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 no. That's that's not no. See, the original idea was to spend less time doing that thing, to have like a repeatable method for accomplishing this thing, and then more broadly, having a more philosophical outlook about how you deal with this input in your life that makes it healthier, less stressful, and makes it feel less personal. And instead, that gets turned into like, you know, a few dozen blog posts about how this thing is impossible and unrealistic. And it's like, well, yeah, no, it's that, really that, not. That's that the original, if it's impossible, impossible and unrealistic is acting like you are your inbox. Like that's, that way lies madness. Yeah, so that's the, uh, the thing that follow-up has going for it that Inbox Zero doesn't is that Inbox Zero as a life hack, as they say, is a thing that people want to argue against. They want to set it up as a straw man and they want to tear it down in the same sort of like meme, you know, uh, so, sort of phenomenon of like, here's a good idea that everyone should do. Oh, actually, that idea is dumb. And follow-up is more benign in that it doesn't have people. Uh, it doesn't it, it doesn't get put up on a pedestal and torn down. It just kind of stays at the same level. Um, but there there is the aspect of the the definition drifting and everything, but I, I feel like we two have two very different problems because I'm sure I have all those same things regarding follow up and the, the appropriate definition thereof and so on and so forth. But I mean, maybe you wouldn't feel this way because you, you don't have the same feelings about it, and may, or maybe you'd still be more upset about people arguing against an idea that you never had because they don't even know what they're arguing against, right? Maybe that will always win out as the frustrating thing. Yeah. But imagine if tons of people were talking about inbox zero, uh, people who heard it from you, but then when when asked to describe what Inbox Zero is, be like, I think I first heard it from Merlin Mann, but he didn't invent it. I'm not sure where it came from. Right. And that was the talking point. And you, would you have time to be concerned about how they don't get your idea if no one actually credited you with the idea in the first place? And they just said flat out, they're not sure where it came from, but they, they first heard you talk about it, but I think, you know, and maybe they throw out another name. Um, do you have like because you are known for inbox zero and you take that for granted which allows you to look at well actually you don't quite get it It allows you to go to the next level the sort of uh, hi- hierarchy of needs right mm-hmm. you've got safety physical safety down and now you got to talk about what is the next one i forget like 
Oh, you mean like food, clothing, shelter kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Now, now, now you're talking about like what temperature it is in the room, right? Yeah. Whereas I, I can't get off uh, physical safety because it's like I can't, I can't get ownership of the thing to be long enough to be concerned about how people may or may not be misinterpreting it. But whereas I feel like you have ownership nailed down and have moved on to the second level concern, which is uh, you know nothing of my work. Right. (laughs) Right. And and then the third level of like, this thing has gotten too big and I want to disassociate from it in like, I don't want to talk about inbox zero anymore. Like you have many, many levels beyond just that. But I feel like your tie to this concept is pretty strong. And anytime this would come up, anyone actually dig, did dig down to see where the hell does this come from? They would find you. Whereas anyone digs down and follow up, no one is finding me. That's a, that's a really good point. I, I don't have nearly as strong a feeling about it as it sounds like here. And I'm trying to formulate some kind of an analogy. This is the first terrible analogy I can think of. Is there was a point when I had the prettiest yard in town and everybody wanted to come by and see Merlin's famous lawn title. And so the thing is, if you want to go stand outside and go look at the garden and see my yard, like that's all fine. Uh, over time, you know, for what, for any variety of reasons, it's not a thing that I'm spending as much time on. Like, you know what? If you want to like even cut through my yard, that's like no skin off my teeth. But I just I don't dump garbage in my yard. And that's, I know that's an imperfect analogy, but it, there's a difference between this is this dumb random term that people are sick of hearing about. Like I've known about that for a long time, right? This is what, 10 years old at this point or 11 years old, something like that. So, I mean, I, I get that people are sick of hearing about it. I didn't actually have that much control over how broad it went in a lot of ways. It's just, it was catchy. It was sticky. It was, you know, it, it had that meme quality. And unfortunately, I picked a really catchy name for it that could be misunderstood or misconstrue what was either the kind of early version of it, which is extremely tactical, or my later kind of more philosophical version of it, which was not as tactical, but was like a very, like, to me, like a very sensible, insane and down to earth and don't act like a crazy person approach to this. But the zero part of inbox zero would get people into a tizzy and get them yelling. And then I, I mean, what you don't see is all the times I didn't respond to people or haven't responded to people. As far as I know, there's exactly one post I wrote one time on Tumblr where I felt moved to say, this is what I mean by this. Like, here's how my philosophy, here's what I meant by this. And here's what I mean by this today. And I still continue to stand by that. And, but you're right. You're, you're talking about something very different, which is you kind of never got credit for it in the first place in a sort of, as you say, to a first approximation, like you didn't really get credit as long as people were saying, oh, John didn't invent that, but he's where I heard about it. Yeah, that's just a thing in the world. And I think I feel you a little bit on the inbox zero because I have an example of that, not from something that I invented, but something that I talked about a lot and became to be associated with me, which is the spatial finder. You ever hear me talk about that? Um, yeah, I do. I don't remember specifically, but I know I've heard you talk about it. Yeah, so it, com- it comes up a lot. It is not a thing that I invented, not by a long shot, not the phrase, not the concepts. And obviously the software came from Apple, right? But it's a thing I talked about a lot. I evangelized. I tried to explain to people, tried to explain. And, and so it became to be associated with me. And that had the inbox zero effect because a lot of times, and that was a thing that people would want to argue against in the same way of inbox zero. A lot of times people would say, I've heard a lot of people, including John Syracuse, who talk about the spatial finder, but actually I think it's a load of crap and let me tell you why. And then they would proceed to set up some totally ridiculous straw man of what they think the spatial finder is and then tear it down. And again, I have no ownership over that concept. It is, is a concept that existed long before me, invented by people at Apple and embodied in a piece of software that I would talk about a lot. And then, but I would have the same feeling of like, 
it's exhausting to try to first have to explain to people actually what you're saying. It's like the no true Scotsman. They're like, oh, every time I talk about something, you tell me that's not the spatial finder. That's not what it's about. It's like, well, it's like with you with inbox zero. You're trying to say every time we complain about inbox zero, you're like, no, you're not really getting it. Let me explain to you what it is. And it just seems like no matter what bad thing they say about inbox zero, your answer will always be that, oh, you don't really understand it. Only I understand it. So let me explain it to you. And so I would eventually just stop bothering talking to people about the spatial finder because it took too much time an effort to try to explain what I actually meant by that mm-hmm. in a way that they could sort of understand what I was getting at and what I wasn't. And they just had more fun saying whatever they thought the spatial finder meant. And here's why it's dumb. Right. Um, but again, no ownership stakes in that at all. Um, so it, maybe it's not quite the same as, as what, but, but the same, same frustration with like a phrase that catches on and, you know, in same respects that inbox zero caught on because it's catchy. And also because like me, you evangelized it, not evangelized, but you, I mean, you would, yeah, it, was, it was something, it was something that I, yeah, I did talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and you, you wrote about it and you, and I certainly evangelized the spatial finder, which is not a thing that I invented at all of saying, Hey, everybody in the Apple community who's currently <laughs> reading me, here's why I think this is a good idea. Uh, and you know, and so it, you do feel that you have some responsibility for people being out there discussing this idea, but eventually it just totally gets away from you and it just becomes exhausting to try to, to pin it down. Well, and I, in terms of um, my albatross, uh, something I feel like I should say, and I've, I've talked about this before, but you know, it's not like I'm trying to put my past behind me, but I mean, between, you know, you, me and our, our listeners, I don't have any particular stake in wanting to be known as a productivity guru anymore. I've never liked that term. If I ever self-applied it, boy, do I regret that. I just, I don't like that term. I, and I, I just- you, you prefer to be a seasoned technologist? Seasoned technologist. I, you know, I know how to use fireworks. But- uh, Secret salt. <laughs> I think of seasoned technology, I totally think I of like a, a, person, a person with, uh, you know, seasoning on them. Yeah, mommy doesn't know about that. Um, but it's, so I just want to be clear, like I'm, I'm proud of a lot of the stuff that I've done. I'm proud I was able to cobble together a mini career out of- that stuff. And I do think there's still a lot of great stuff to learn, but there's one, one of the numerous reasons that I I personally ramped all that stuff down was I saw how corrosive so much of that community that I had helped uh, to create or support really was. So with all that said, one thing I always, I, and I, again, I, I I don't, I don't want to have this conversation over and over for the rest of my life. But one thing I feel like I always should say is, you know, a lot of my, I mean, I think to some people's point of view, the success that I had on 43 folders, I mean, I see it as coming from many things, but certainly one of the things was David Allen's Getting Things Done book, which I felt like needed to be elements of which needed, would benefit from being adapted to a modern knowledge worker with Wi-Fi and stuff like that, which he ex- expressed relatively little interest in doing and would basically slough off a lot of, he's a great guy, but he would slough off a lot of people's criticisms of the book by just saying, it's all in the book. Just read the book. You're overthinking this, blah, 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 blah. which ultimately was really true in some ways. But, you know, I feel badly that, you know, that there, there for a, for a time, there was certain the vogue of GTD, which I will immodestly say, I think I helped make popular amongst a certain group that like, I feel like I, I, I do regret any way in which I, got too much credit for ideas that were really his. And I, I do feel bad about that. Um, and I, I, cause I, you know, and really it's not so you know, dissimilar than this whole inbox zero thing. What is also funny though, is if you go and search for spatial finder on Google, the first search return I get is that you might, yours might be different. First one I get is, is there software that implements John Syracuse's spatial finder concept on ask different on stack exchange? 
Yeah, because that's how, that's how Google, what I get is the Spatial File Manager Wikipedia article, which probably references me, and I get my Finder article as the I second I search for your third, name, though. All I search for is Spatial Finder. Yeah, yeah. Second, second one is, is their software that implements blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, but that's because it's a Stack Exchange one, and they have a lot of Google juice. Google's weird. I, to- I totally will say that the, the, the reason a lot of people have heard this is because I have an, I had a big platform to talk about this in my Ars Technica articles that a lot of people read, and I talked about it a lot. You couldn't shut me up. And 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 I t- I totally think that it's a concept that I struggled to articulate, but like I said, it's not a thing. It's not mine. I have no ownership over it whatsoever. I just thought it was a good idea, <laughs> because other people came up with this idea, and I said I like that idea, and here's the reasons I think it's a good idea, and I you know I, and I didn't make it. And I need to evangelize it now. If you let's try what happens if you type follow up. I mean that's too that's too vague. Uh, yeah. Too broad a thing, or you, yeah, and you you're won't just, find it. You're just making it like a like a term of art. What makes special? Yeah, yeah. F- but I mean, because follow up is so such a tiny. It's just like it's just five by five uh, relay incomparable network. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit beyond that from people who listen to we those do it, shows. We do it on Do by Friday, but but it is it is so pervasive in those circles. Yeah, and I just like v- virtually de rigueur. I mean, it, it really is. It's right. It's pretty, and and and, yeah. and, I, and again, I. I want there to be, I think the part of the, the failing accomplishment is that there will be people who do it and have no idea where it comes from. But I feel like there has to be, you know, I, I, I don't want to be erased from the timeline on this because it is so clear to me as a singular thing that I thought about, that I deliberately did, and that I was happy and proud to see spread. And that just, you know, history eraser button, you had nothing to do with it. Flo- uh, you know, a follow up always invented. Uh, always existed uh <laughs> we've always been at war with follow-up exactly like <laughs> and and it and it, it it boggles my i mean here's it doesn't boggle my mind because here like the reason people come to that conclusion is that it's so much more important to me than it is to them because what the hell do they care where it comes from i'm sure there are tons of things that i do on podcasts that i don't know where they come from either but the person who invented them feels the same you know sense of ownership and betrayal when they're not credited or whatever because it you know Follow-up is not it is not as important to anyone else in the world as it is to me. Like I, I, I feel the most the concept of the credit. The concept of the credit. The whole thing, like the fact that I came up with this format, the the insistence on using this format in the shows that I participate in, right, to varying degrees, and all, all the whole things that you get into later, like me having rules about what it should be like and why it's important to do it, and uh, you know, all, the whole nine yards, but. But yeah, but as the thing, as a, like, here's the thing. It is an idea that obviously has some, like Inbox Zero, has some kind of traction to it. That people hear it, hear the format, hear the concept, and feel compelled to, if not straight up do it themselves exactly, to reference it and talk about it and use it as a way to communicate in a condensed way a particular concept, right? Like the same with any word or phrase or idea or, or, or you know, like... That it, that it was a good, if it was a lousy idea and if it was just a subject of ridicule, it wouldn't be everywhere. People wouldn't be doing it. You can't make jokes about it for that long. So I think it was a thing, it was an idea, and it was a good idea. And that's why it spreads. And that's that's why I want credit for it, because it's like, this is an accomplishment. I have I have so precious few. I just want to hold on to this one, and it somehow has slipped away from me. <laughs> not, not in my bracket. You did say as, as the top bullet point. Even though you denied it as soon as you started talking about it, the top yeah. bullet point is John started a phenomenon. And then when you first talked about it in the show, you're like, 
I don't know. I forget what you said, but I don't. I I don't know if it's a thing that you, that you created, but or like. But. I just I I don't even know how to parse how shocking this entire conversation is to me because first of all, I I how does one say I don't care? It didn't matter to me whether or not you invented it. I figured it was of a thing. Of course not. That that's what I'm saying. It doesn't f- matter to anybody except for me. Figured it was a thing. That you came up with. So amongst the many things that were not in my bracket, that this means so much to you, I'm very sorry about this, and I, I certainly didn't mean to contribute to this, but also just that, like, you see this, uh, I'm very surprised the context in which you see this as against so many other things you do that have, like, had, like, uh, a giant impact on people. I mean, I know we're not talking about that. Yeah, but... I know, but but in a vague way, though. Like, because <laughs> none, of the, none of them are <laughs> thing, none of them are specific things that I made. But that's so weird. That's like saying, you know... <sighs> Like being a school teacher for thirty years. Well, yeah, not- here, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. Um, I think it's also the removal of credit. If, for example, people talked about uh, my OS ten reviews and couldn't remember that I wrote them or said that someone else wrote them, that would also bother me. But it's it's ridiculous because there's a byline on each one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. the same way about hypercritical and follow up because there's a byline in every freaking episode. And maybe they think Dan Benjamin invented it, but he didn't. He was mm. there, but he didn't. Me, all me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Hover. You can learn more about Hover right now by visiting hover.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Here's the thing. When you have a great new idea for your next project, maybe that's a blog, a store, a startup, if it's something you want to share with the world, you're going to need a great domain name for it. It's something that reflects who you are and what you do. And finding that perfect domain name is ridiculously easy with Hover. With Hover, it's incredibly easy to set up your domain name with really so many of the most popular website builders. You can use Hover Connect to set up your domain automatically in just a few clicks. No more digging through help articles to figure out how to get your domain working. Just get it up. And if you already have a bunch of domains scattered around other domain providers, you can save yourself some money by bringing them all to Hover. And on top of that, you gotta, you gotta know this. All eligible domains will include free who is privacy, Nobody needs to know who you are and what you do. So keep that for yourself. That's for you. And with volume discounts, the more domains you have in your account, the more of a discount Hover will automatically apply. So please find the perfect domain name for your idea. You go to hover.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. You're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Once again, that's hover.com slash diffs. Go in, look around, get 10% off your first purchase. Hover, domain name for your ideas. Thank you so much to Hover for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I'm sorry, John. Well, we need to have some kind of truth and reconciliation committee. No, we, we need no. to make this right for you. I, I, don't know, I don't know what can be done because here's the thing. Like, it's kind of like one of those things. You can't, you can't do what I have just tried to do and assert it yourself. You, it only counts as you inventing no, it if, if other people agree and, and say the same thing. Or say it without prompting from you. Like, without, oh, I have to say this because I heard in this episode and I actually don't think he invented it, but he thinks he does, so we better say that. Nope, that, I mean, I've already blown it by talking about this, which is why I've, like, waited literally years. Like, uh, 2011 was was this episode, right? But, like, uh, Hypercritical ended, and I heard so many people doing follow-up. I'm like, and I was I was feeling pretty good. I'm like, that, I think, will will be my lasting legacy, follow-up. We started, thing we started that a bunch doing people... it on Back to Work before I knew you when I just, like, needling you from afar, but was a huge fan Dan and I started doing FU, as we called it. 
Right. I mean, I mean, patient zero, Dan, because he was on the show with me and he did shows with other people and he would make jokes about it. And other people on five by five listened to it and it sort of spread. And that's why I felt like here's the thing that I did that is going to live beyond myself and this show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. then it eventually became here's the thing that's going to live beyond myself and the show. But no longer can I say it's a thing that I did because no one no one knows or cares about that. And in fact, will flat out deny it when when prompted to think about it. As you, like I said, I'm going to go back to rewind the tape. Maybe it's my own paranoid mind setting. But as you did, even despite the fact that, I mean, maybe you didn't. Maybe you thought Dan brought it to the show and... I just didn't care. I just, I, I mean, now I care, but I, I, I didn't care. Because why would you? But, right. but like, because it's such a common thing. Like, let me, let me think of an example from, uh, probably from Back to Work for You. There are tons of things that you do that everybody does on their shows. There's, now. it's something, because because one does, you did one does not talk about this because it is unseemly. Also, I don't talk about it because I don't actually care, and I consider it kind of an honor. There are literally dozens dozens of things that I made up that other people do, just like right, I do I mean, theirs. I do even, other people's even bits just, exactly right. But but if if prompted to say if someone says that's kind of ping pong. I know exactly where that came from. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I can find cite the exact Roderick on the line episode, and you could say like it's not just a, oh ping pong. That's the thing that's always existed. Nope, nope. I know exactly where it came from. I know it is an invention. It is a gag, a line said by a singular person on a singular episode of a singular yeah. show that had enough traction and was funny enough that like years and years later it will still be referenced by, uh, you know, podcasts like you have a ton of those, but every one of them I feel like. At least I know exactly where they came from because I'm personally connected with you, right? Maybe three degrees separated, no one knows where ping pong comes from or a million other things, right? But I know because I know you. Yeah, I um I um I think it's funny sometimes when people do a bit and don't realize they're doing a bit, but like I say, in fairness, I do lots of other people's bits or Yeah, that's the whole thing. We all do each other's this, bits. The, but the only I feel thing like- that you're really I don't think you should listen to Do by Friday because I think you probably find it insufferable. But the thing that is funny about that show is is it's sort of a my, it's I love the co-host of that show. I've never said this out loud, so this sounds really self-involved. But that show is a little bit. We all listen to the same a lot of the same podcasts, and it's kind of a lysergic remix love letter to all of these other podcasts. And and there's like meta meta bits on that show that I think you would find insufferable, but that are really funny. Like if you listen to Hello Internet and you listen to Jason Snell's shows and you listen to Mike's shows and you listen to ATP, like Max will never admit listening to hardly anything, but Alex and I listen to like all of those shows. We listen to like dozens of podcasts every week. And so that's a, that's a place where I get to have fun remixing that, whether it's a bit that somebody might recognize or a noise Yes, I know. I know when I'm doing a bit from You Look Nice Today, believe it or not. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but this is why I do this for my work. And it's really a joy to get to do like an eighth of a second remix of a 10-year-old idea and see it recombinated amongst other people and the way that they play with that idea. It's so fun to do. But like, I, now I, I do it shamelessly at this point, like you and me are like, you know, with the flophouse bits, like it's, I, I can't, at this point, I, ironically enough, I can't stop myself. Yeah, and I think, I think people who listen to all these shows appreciate that because they, they again, with the shared background of like, I, I listened to those podcasts or I remember that classic episode of that show. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what you just did there, like it's yeah. the, it's the, that's a joke about Seinfeld, but it's also a joke yeah. about our show. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the micro version of making a Simpsons reference because that is a broad thing. Oh, lots of people have seen The Simpsons and lots of people know these classic bits from The Simpsons. 
when you can make a similar reference to a thing that such a, you know, a tiny fraction of anybody has ever even heard of and yeah. know that of that tiny fraction, a whole bunch of them are going to be listening to your podcast and will be in on it, right? Um, or even just for a long-running show, making references to your own show many, many episodes ago. Right. Um, I, that's I what, think that's, that's, that's what people that's tune all. in for. But like my, yeah. like my fancy corporate lawyer that might be a chicken is basically a poor Bob Odenkirk you, you say Foghorn Leghorn. I think of, I think of um, Bob Odenkirk, but also Foghorn Leghorn. But like Bob Odenkirk is already doing a poor uh, impersonation, deliberately poor impersonation of like a Southern senator. So like it, there's like these levels of delightful levels of dumbness and recursion that like, you know what it is? It's a little bit, it's not so different from being 15 and watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail over and over. And in the same way, you know, we're talking here about like, it's not just that, you know, a Simpsons reference It's how you deploy it. It's where you deploy it. It's like, is it on the nose? Is it arch? Like, how are you deploying that? And because you maybe you don't want it to be funny to everybody. Is it possible you maybe only want it to be something that's funny to maybe six people? Because, you know, there's a broad joke you can go for that everybody will get the first time they listen. But my peculiar joy is... The, even as we acknowledge all of these things, the unacknowledged tiny, tiny little micro bit. Those are my favorites. And you're actually really good at that. Yeah, but I, what I like to do, my my favorite thing is to incorporate stuff like that in a way that if the thing that I'm referencing never existed, it would still make sense and have the meaning that I You want. do it's that in rare. Slack all the time. I've got to look up rare. your references. I, yeah, I know. Th- more- those, those are pretty weak. But no, like, I'm going- you, were, you had some coffee or something the other day. You went on, you were on a roll on, I want to say, might have been on Relay. But you were you were just you were you were glenning on not glenning in the usual sense, but was you I were like terrible puns. That's that's no no no. You weren't glenning and you weren't punning, but you were on some kind of a hilarious aggressive role, and you were being very very funny. And it was like you were playing three D chess with everybody at the same time. It was really funny. Yeah, I mean th- those are those are mostly. I feel like uh, again the way the way I feel like I accomplish it usually in, in a series of rants or something where I'm getting worked up about something. But you do it all. You do it all in one line, and you kill it. Do you remember uh, what's her name from SNL? The character who was like a Catholic schoolgirl who yeah. would say, "My feelings are best expressed in a soliloquy from you know blah 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 movie." Yeah, Mary Catherine. Mary Catherine Gallagher. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's an example of doing it poorly because it is introed as now I'm going to read a bunch of lines from the movies. But rather, if I can, in the middle of ranting about something, forcefully express my idea in a coherent and uh, you know. In a sentence that that makes sense and is uh, illuminating and paints a visual picture and is uh, insightful and gets the point across in a forceful way and is also a direct quote from a movie, the message of the movie, uh, uh, a movie whose message also ties in with the argument I'm making. But if you've never seen that movie, it still makes sense as a standalone thing. Mm -hmm. That's that's my. That's my gold medal prize. And I get the extra platinum medal if literally nobody gets under, gets the, the fact that I was referencing a which, movie. Right? Which happens. Right. Yeah. So that you want it to be, that's a really good point. And you want no one to notice that it was a, like, and the longer you can go, the better. If you can quote seven lines in a row directly <laughs> from, from a scene in a movie that is really important to you. And the movie is about the point you're trying to make. Right. <laughs> right. But, no, but that scene isn't. And like, that's, that's my favorite. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. And it, I'll, I'll be sitting there. I listen to ATP usually twice. I listen while it's live. I sit through the fish. 
And then I listen to you guys and I hear you flub your reads and it's a really lot of fun to listen to. And then I usually listen to it again when it's out because I'm broken inside. It's so strange to be sitting there and <laughs> I get what you're saying. <laughs> and But the thing is, at this point, Casey and, and Marco seem to take a particularly joy in not understanding what you're talking about. It's and then hard. they, it's, then they it's, lean on it. I think Marco is taking the piss sometimes. I think he knows a lot yeah, more than he lets hard on. To tell. It's, it's hard to tell. Like, I don't even know Marco a Star does Wars. listen to a lot of podcasts, so he has a, <laughs> he has a chance of getting it. If I make a Roderick on the line reference, Marco has a good chance of getting it. And so does Casey for that matter. But a lot of times, it's diff- like with you, it's difficult to tell if they're pretending not to get it or if they really don't get it. And the, <laughs> not knowing, not knowing which tomb- is which. Put that on my tombstone, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to tell. Oh, dental plan. <clears throat> mm. I uh, I'm sorry about this. I did not have this in my bracket. So because you, you don't you don't have a full appreciation of how broken I am inside. That's what it comes I down to. I got a you, pretty good. You spend too much time thinking about how broken you are inside. As no, we you all do. do that. You do that. That's, well, you're right. I do about myself. I was saying, as we all do. It's a box. Spend a lot it's of time dwelling on in the middle of the scene. It's a box, and the box could be a hotel room with Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. or it could Have be you an about the, the fact that yeah. a lot of things are boxes, and which thing because like, you decided no, before you no. referenced the thing that was the box, but obviously no, the room no, you're in not, was probably not, also not, a box. Not that many things are boxes. No, a lot of like the room you're yeah. in probably is it's unless you're in like a little, a, the Oval Office. A little reductive. It's like it's like three boxes. It narrows. Uh, I can't say anymore. But uh, no, no, my my dreams are much more horizontal. They 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 move across a, a broad spectrum, and I can see different things by looking hmm. in different areas. You, I, uh, I, you remember more about your dreams than I have. I try harder. Like, even, even even in like the the. Th- Though three seconds after I regain consciousness, I don't have this kind of a detailed picture that you do. I changed the complication on my watch. I put the just press button. I swapped out uh, movement for just press. That's probably meaningful. That'll probably be on a report someday. But uh, yeah, I finally put the uh, just press record as a complication so I could just grumble into my watch in the morning. <laughs> those those are the words. With, those... with the songs you're humming and the sound effects you're making, and then occasionally talking into your wrist oh, or your wallet minute. or your shoe. Hang on, I got him. Which here. is a bit that you invented. Which one? Talking into my shoe? That's when I used to be Merlin Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, technically, that is actually we're putting a hat on a hat. That's actually three or four jokes, including the one that Dan invented. I never actually talk into my shoe. I talk into my wallet. It's so know, boring know, to talk about the Don't bit. You think I know that. It, everything that's in the show is in the show. I'm just saying, like, does it drive you crazy when other people misquote their own bits? No, because they like you evolve them. Like you do that all the time. You no, if I you don't. listen back to what the original you, things you like, are in, in, in like a super trained thing or like ping pong is held on because it's two words. I've been waiting for that one to mutate, but like you're feel free to, to mutate them because it becomes that becomes part of the thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then like just like the talking into the shoe that <laughs> supersedes the talking into your wallet. It, it surpasses it. It replaces it essentially. <laughs> as the new thing that is understood to be the reference to the video of you talking to your wallet. Yeah, it's true. If only we had uh, those links for show notes, because again, if you have, if you do not know the entire backstory of all of our life's works, such as they are, this sounds ridiculous, but rest assured, there is indeed a video. How do I, how do I have to blow Rome. to get a Wikia site for stuff that I do? The Flophouse, like, it's not perfect. It's not, it's not a great, it's, like, well, it's not, it's not great, but it's something. You're on there. I mean, kind well, of. I, I you put, edited the, I entry, put the content right? in for like three of the pages on that site. I just I put the entirety of the three sentence content in or four paragraph content. It has been changed over time, and there's a little bit of edit wars going on because I'm trying to nail down uh, the history again. Unlike Wikipedia, 
on the Flophouse Wikia, I'm allowed to put down the things that I was personally involved with, mm-hmm. even though I'm not a tertiary source. <laughs> what is it? Words that sound like other things? <laughs> what is yeah, it? That, it's hard to I say. Did, I, al- I also did uh, the da- Dan McCoy's page, large swaths of Dan McCoy's page. No kidding. Um, yeah. Flophouse That have been edited and re-edited down because you know, all based on my personal interactions with the show, which was another mini topic we had there. Um, but, but anyway, I think it's pretty sparsely populated, all things considered, considering how many things, like if you were to exhaustively catalog mm-hmm. everything from that show, that site should be 10 times bigger. As for wanting one of those for yourself, like, I don't know if that's a really thing. It's kind of like wishing for a Wikipedia page, which you have, by the way. Which I don't want. Um, I would love it. Right. No, you should not want that. But like, like, it's like having a thing yeah. that is the public face of you that you have no control over. And it, it's pretty terrifying. Oh yeah. That's gross. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Eero. You can learn more about Eero right now by visiting Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com, just like it sounds. You know what's going on here. These days, everything in your home seems to require an internet connection. Speakers, thermostats, light bulbs, front door locks, security cameras, everything in between. And so many of us are using streaming services, things like Netflix, Hulu, and Spotify for our home entertainment. And you know what's in the middle of all that? Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi, my friends. We are all totally dependent on it. We are at the beck and call of our Wi-Fi, but Wi-Fi is broken. You can look it up on the internet. It's true. Connections can be inconsistent or slow or unresponsive, especially as you move through your home. You're going to get better and worse internet throughout your house. As my friend Mike Hurley likes to say, this is mental. What if you went to some parts of your house and you just didn't get electric? That's an analogy, but it's pretty close to true. This is something that Eero understands. They address this by understanding that to get the best possible connection, you need a distributed system that can provide you with a connection all over the home. This used to be very expensive to do, super costly, but not anymore. With Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. This isn't just some old uh, simple extender, because each Eero has two radios inside, keeping your connection fast, everything in sync, all on one network name. You just go and you download the Eero app for iOS or Android devices. It'll walk you through setting this thing up. It's quick. It's super easy. You open any one of these dinguses, you get it started. You can add as many as you want to it. I, we had three in our house, and uh, it's the best. It blankets the place in delicious Wi-Fi. And that cool little Eero app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand. You'll know how many devices are connected at any given point, as well as monitoring your internet speed that you're getting from your service provider. Super cool. We love these things. And I'll tell you, I, I got to be honest, it takes about 15 minutes to get the entire thing set up. And you're going to find Wi-Fi hiding in corners of your house where it was previously just simply unavailable. Highly recommend the Eero. So right now, the average house in the U.S. is easily covered by between two or three Eros. So a three-pack is probably a good starting point. But if you live in a large space and you need more, you can add up to 10 uh, Eros in total. That's a lot of Eros. And get this, they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. That means you can always return one of your Eros if you end up not needing it. Eero is the original whole home Wi-Fi system to celebrate its first, first birthday. Get ready, because things get a little crazy at this point. First birthday, get this. The price has been permanently lowered. That's crazy stuff, number one. So now you go out, you get a three-pack of Eros, $399. That's $100 off what it used to cost. You can get a two-pack for $299. That's $50 off. Now, get this. They don't even need you to go to the site. They just want you to have the, get the Eero. Go wherever you're going to go. So, yeah, yeah, here's the thing. You can go to Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com. You could also go to Best Buy. 
go to Amazon. Go wherever they sell the Eros and get the Eros. We just want you to have an Eero. They're, they're going to have to just run with that. Uh, these things are terrific. So I just want to say thank you so much to Eero for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Oof, wow. Jiminy Christmas, listen to that. I had Jimmy crack corn in my head while I was urinating. I came and I sat down, and now that's there. That's that's Sunday morning music at my house. We play her on Sunday mornings. That song was stuck in my head for a good three days very, very recently. Like, I, you know, I've had that. I've, I have that movie. Uh, I got it on DVD. I was a big fan of it. I've had that soundtrack since the movie came out. It's been in my rotation for a long time. I like a lot of songs from it. But that one was like one of those slow growers. It was like, oh, it's all right. It's fine. And then like a year ago, it's like, oh, that song's not fine. That song is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And it, and then recently, like really just a couple of weeks ago, somehow it got its hooks into me. And pretty much the whole song, which is not particularly long, was playing at length in my head for many days um i mostly excised it by listening to it i usually don't do that where you listen to a song i don't like to listen to a song over and over again because it will i will burn out on it i I will destroy a song that i like but i had to to get this one out i had to i had to feed the beast and to say (laughs) here you go listen to it and then and then it excised it and then i was able to i was able to go on with my life but i still love it uh what's uh oh deathly that's the one that gets in my head not not her best lyrics but fun i mean i think the lyrics work for the song like i i think she's got some more sophisticated lyrically songs but that but they are very very sticky you're on right. you're on your honor because i'm a goner you haven't even begun uh so framing man stuff got like I don't know if she is just a musical genius or her musical taste is exactly like mine. Mm-hmm. But even even in the songs we were like, oh, well, maybe the concept and lyrics of the song are just kind of like fine, right? I love all the music. And so it's like mm-hmm. when when it all comes together, like she's always got that foundation of like, how can every one of your songs be so good musically? Or is it just not, is it just that like that your taste exactly matches mine and really these songs aren't any better or worse than anybody else's songs? It just like... Every single thing you do exactly ma- like well, and they're and they're they're cool. I I I think I do know what you mean. Where you're like, I, I felt like that with bands. Where I'm like, how is it? Yeah, exactly. You so overlap, but there's also something if not to over intellectualize it, but she's so cool in the old sense of the word. Like not you know not just like oh you know James Dean Miles Davis, but she's there's something slightly distant about her, even as she's singing this stuff that has a lot of intense feelings a lot of intense uh what sadness sometimes yeah, she she yeah, she strikes that like the the character of the singer like not that they're playing a character in the song but like the way they express themselves mm-hmm. through singing is it it there's a fine line because you know a lot of singers who who can be super duper earnest right or you got like the cure or even you two at various times and you have singers who can be happy or glib or angry or sarcastic and it's very difficult to strike the balance of like you you want to be expressive and you want the character in the song to 
inhabit the song and convey this feelings, but you don't want to go over the line into sort of self-parody, self-seriousness, but you also don't want to feel like you're above it all. Like, like again, for being cool, you have to, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm not going to slam Lana Del Rey here because I'm, I'm a recent fan like it's a, it's a new artist that I picked up recently but I feel like she is trying to walk a similar line in a lot of her songs that Amy Mann does and but it's, it just a, it's shows a little you, affected right it just shows you how like it's not as easy as it looks you think right. you're just gonna it, I, I don't know and I mean maybe maybe it's just maybe it's one of those things like where you see an actor and you think they're the greatest actor in the world until you see them in a second movie and you realize, oh, that's just what the person is like and right. they're just being themselves, right? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. But but Amy Mann is like, she's, she's not playing, a, she's herself in all the songs because <laughs> she's supposed to I want January to Jones to really surprise me. I want Jerry, <laughs> January, and not just to go wacky, but I would like to see January Jones in a role that's quite different from uh, Emma Frost or uh, the lady from Mad Men. Or Emma Frost. What a mess. Interesting thing, as I've been obsessed with Les Mis uh, on and off over the years, and especially in the last few months, as I've dove, divin, divin, <laughs> as I've divin, divin. You moved with your head in front of your feet towards something. As I've pushed deeper into the worlds and the layers of Les Mis, um, I mean, you look at, uh, in particular, I'm going to say, um, I Dreamed a Dream. We're like, I really, really like Anne Hathaway's performance of that. I get why people don't. Like, I think it's fantastic. But you know what? It was also the first performance of it that I heard. <laughs> the first performance of it that I heard a lot, right? For That was one of those songs like uh, Tell Me on a Sunday. It was like another one of those like songs I would just get in my head over the years. But and boy, you really don't want to get Tell Me on a Sunday in your head. Oh, But anyhow, uh, I dream a dream. So... I know it from the movie and her performance. She's got rotten teeth and she is so emo. She's busting a gut so hard that when I then heard and saw other people's performances yeah. of it, I would go, hmm, that seems weirdly muted. You're not you're not wrong, because like I think I think someone brought this up before. I I never saw the movie and I heard Les Mis eight hundred and seventy thousand times before the movie was released. And yeah. yet, as as I said last time, I have the clip of her singing that from the trailer of Les Mis in my iTunes collection. It's not the whole song. It's just the part that was in the trailer because I yeah. don't have the soundtrack to the movie. But the trailer was available for free. And so I I was so affected by that by, that I took that out of the trailer and put it as like a, as, a, as a track. So occasionally when I'm random playing through my stuff, I hear the, you know, 37 seconds of that like song s- that appears so different from this hell in I'm the trailer. With, yeah, which which yeah, part is it? Yeah, I, I I think that's it. There's there's like sound effects behind it because during the trailer there's other stuff going on, and I almost never listen to the umpteen other versions of that song I have from the various Broadway things because wow. you're right. There is a different character to that song being played. It's not that it's a bad song, but it is. It's not. It doesn't. It's not as as affecting as that one thing. And again, I still have never seen the movie, which everyone tells you're me is terrible, kidding. but you tell me it's no, good. No, it's it's no. I you'll feel hate, like I don't you'll hate it. it. Uh, no. By knowing the actual story, because again, I've never seen the play. Well, I've only this, but you're, you're, you're getting straight straight to the point here, which is like, I mean, I, I guess, of course, it's conceivable that anybody can enjoy anything, but uh, just as a as a lame is, and boy, we're not talking about The Walking Dead yet. As a lame is amateur we'll and a, a new a new fan, it strikes me that historically that role, what has made that role work on stage, um, and in previous soundtracks was performing it with restraint 
and dignity. Like, you know, with, with, with your, you know, with your spine, you know, you're holding yourself erect while you sing this song. And it's a song about, obviously it's a song about everything falling apart. It is, it is on the face of it, a song, a, what do you, what's this genre of song called? But the sort of like the <clears throat> should have been an ingenue whose life has now taken this turn. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really even, at, well, it's kind of about how things are falling apart now, but that song obviously is really about the Delta between the depths that I've fallen to now as against what I thought was possible and how happy I thought I could be in the world. And we all know that feeling, that excruciating feeling of hopelessness, even as you can so clearly remember when the future was bright. He spent a summer by my side. So where I'm going with this is that I think in the past, like on the last beautiful, beautiful last verse of that song, Fantine is finally, she's breaking down a little bit. She's losing her composure a little bit. But what makes that performance work, I think historically, is that she's holding it together. And you're, you're standing there with her going, oh, please, God, don't cry. Don't cry, Fontaine. Hold it together and make it, make it through this, right? And so, <laughs> but if, you, if all you've ever seen is Anne Hathaway, like all the other ones seem like, oh, God, you know? Whereas, the, other, the other people didn't sing it with a shaved head. But you flip it around or with teeth pulled out. You flip it around and then you go like, I'm so used to, oh, that wonderful woman whose name I always forget. But like the historical performances, if that's what you grew up on, and then you watch, watch, you know, Catwoman, like having a meltdown while she's cry screaming and snots coming out of your nose. I totally get, I totally get how you would watch that and go, this is so undignified and so unseemly. It is ruining this song for me. I could totally get that. But I think that's kind of the thing with Amy Mann is that Amy Mann is the dignified one. She's the one holding herself erect, even as she's singing about unthinkable thoughts and and horribly you wish you'd never feel them kinds of feelings and terrible realizations and putting things together. But she does it with a coolness and dignity. She's apart apart from it at the same time as she's in the middle of it, which is that's the weird balance. Like that's the that's the incredible balance. And and like kind of the other comparison I put is for for artists that I've I feel like I have this relationship with their work like Stephen King, where uh, on your on your 47th Stephen King book, you settle into you settle into a relationship or a pattern, like like a long-term marriage with someone that you have your routines and that you sort of work together during your day and everything meshes, right? And if you listen to enough Amy Mann songs, eventually you come to have this relationship with the person in the work and it is reciprocated in a way that you're going to get, uh, ideally you're going to get the high quality product that you expect with the rhythms that you expect um, with enough surprises to keep you interested. You know what I mean? Like that type Mm -hmm. of thing. And so that's, and by the way, speaking of Amy Mann, I feel like I have to tell you formally in case it isn't clear that I've now switched my star effort. I, I'm trying to say Mike more. Uh, no, I understand. Things. My, switch my star effort target. I think I expressed this before. Your celebrity, your celebrity outreach program. Yeah. So yeah, my celebrity outreach program through you, mm-hmm. right? Because you're my only connection with that world. Yes. Has switched from Joko, who I'm not going to say he's dead to me. No. Um, but he's, but like, I feel like I've moved on. I feel like I've that relationship has run its course without his participation, which I'm sure he is, you know, is, is, a, is a mercy for him. Right. Alas. Um, right. <laughs> exactly. Right. That is, that has run its course. The, the virtual <laughs> pretend <John>. relationship, <laughs> the, the virtual pretend relationship I've had with him has, has come to an end. Oh um, man. And I've, yes, it's fine. And I've moved on. You, still, you, know, now, you, got the, you got the memories, you know? Yeah. We'll always, we'll always have Paris. Um, now I've moved on to, having a pretend relationship with Amy Mann, 
who is a close personal friend of yours mm -hmm. and thinking about what it would me, be me, like me, someday. I mean, kind, kind of met her a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. What it would be like. Well, she, I mean, she, how could she forget you mm. Um, mm. to, to like to hang out with her. Um, and so that's my, that's my new, that's my new goal for you. I, I you know, I got to tell you, John Syracuse, I am loving this midlife crisis of yours. I think you're going that's places. That's not a midlife crisis. This. This, is, this is just, this is yeah, just, it's uh, all kind of part of the same thing. This celebrity worship. This is straight up celebrity yeah, worship. Well, but you know, I, I think, I think you're smart to definitely see it all as related afflictions. You know, you get a discount when you yeah, get, to get a bundle. It is. I mean, all celebrity worship really is kind of like miniature oh, preparation. Oh, come on. Is it really person. worship? It's really celebrity. It's celebrity outreach, which is totally healthy. Well, yeah, but it, see, it switches from celebrity worship to, to like, to stalking, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> to like, when, when you feel like there actually is a chance okay, of this it's, happening. It's so. how far you reach out in the program. Yeah. What plans you put in place? Have you taken any photos? Well, but but really, this is this is on, this is on you because like this is like your me? role in this thing is, if at all possible, that you can make this happen. Yeah, this should be your goal. You don't want to force it, and no. it's not like this is high on your agenda. But if the, like if the opportunity arises, you just you just you know you just oh dear. shove Joko <laughs> aside. Okay, and you 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 grab Amy by her beautiful bird hand, mm. and. and <laughs> And you she's bring got, her over. You're telling me she's got bird hands? Ho hollow bones, yeah. And you bring her over to <laughs> meet me. Bones. Okay. <clears throat> didn't you come up with the bird thing? I'm not making that up, I'm right? I'm the one that's that said you. that she looks like a beautiful bird. That's right. That's what but, I'm saying. But birds it's... don't have hands, John. Don't they? Don't they, Marlon? <laughs> don't make me ring the bell. <laughs> okay, oh, listen. I'm going to. I'm going to. Oh, she does. Beautiful I don't think... man birds have such small hands. Shh, not even. Not even the man. She yeah. might remember having met me i think the third time we met she seemed less like she might hate me <clears throat> like in the way that most people who meet me feel you have a distinctive name so yeah. right away people are going to remember that even just on first meeting. and i don't and think i made a joke meetings, about it because that's you that's are a little the, on the, the nose. quiet short guy chuckling in the corner next to paul and storm like she, you're totally mm. you're in you're, you're in like flynn okay all right all right uh so she used to be in boston now she's in la i think have you done a lot of research on her in that sense? No, no. Like, I'm just t totally relying on you to make this happen. If the opportunity arises, you never want to force it. Just, I'm just, I'm, re I'm redirecting your opportunistic goal. Like, now you have, now you have new. Oh, you're, giving me, you're sharpening my knife and you're giving me focus. Let me ask you this. Quid pro quo, Clarice. I can't introduce you to anybody because I don't know anybody. Will you forgive? Will I re receive an emolument, I think it's called, for follow-up? <sighs> If I'm if I'm able to affect this this particular celebrity outreach and you're satisfied with your care, will you let me off the hook for follow up? You're not on the hook for it. You're not the one. I mean, you. I'm here's not. the thing. You you on this show made the mistake that other people made, and I was there to immediately correct it. So I don't feel bad about. It. Like I feel like it, it has been. It has already been addressed. Right. The worst okay. is for it to be just out there Ugh. on some other show All or right. multiple other shows where it just sits there. Yeah. Unacknowledged unrecognized just just sitting there right so now this you're 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 free and clear on that right? okay and you and now you have you have your mind right on this whole issue so if it is to come up in some other situation you know what the right thing to do is you will never forget <laughs> from whence this thing comes you and will never a day again may come it may never come but may call yeah, upon no, totally, you to perform right? a service I'm, but I'm, I'm just saying like for the you know for your yeah. you have you have always had one standing celebrity introduction project as it pertains to me. And it used to be concentrated on Joko, but I said, we're on, so I'm redirecting you, just so you know. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'll I'm tell okay you with again, that. I'll tell you again if it moves on, you should probably start meeting more I celebrities. Am, I'm happy to accommodate it.
in any way, uh, any way that I can. I'm going to make this happen for you, man to man. If 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 opportunity arises, sure. all this if, is totally, totally opportunistic. Because mm-hmm. the worst thing in the world, as we discussed, I think in yes. the past episode, is to force it. You never want like you never want to meet someone in a context where you're being introduced to them because that's the worst. It has nope. to happen naturally. It's like scratching the screen on your switch. One grain of sand. It's not like that at all. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I've already like so. The, speaking of it, man, the phases of the relationships. Yeah. I'm already kind of. I have already moved on. Like the, the clock is ticking because I've already moved on to the point where I'm starting to realize that actually meeting the person will be disappointing. Right. Like I've oh, already good, moved on good, to that good. phase. You're, you're just coming right along. Right. So that's the. I mean, normally you get, you get more time in in the phase where you get to fantasize them as being perfect. Right. Uh huh. I'm already. I'm already well into probably because I know too many people. Like too many, I'm too, I'm too close to it in terms of degrees of separation, right? Yeah. yeah, same, yeah. Again, same, same way with Joko. I, I knew too many people who knew him, right? That you can't help but eventually recognize that they're a regular human being. That just destroys the whole thing. So I'm not totally there yet. I'm going to see her in concert in April. And I don't know if, which direction that will move everything. Uh, but hopefully I'll just get out of that concert without going further down this road. Well, do you have an in for that concert? I have a ticket to it and I will sit in a seat and listen to music. Hmm. I hope there's seats. God, I, standing ones. I'm too old for that. Okay, you think we should try to work some angles? Are you, are you looking to? Uh, are you looking for, to move the celebrity outreach program starting in April? No, no. It's, You'd like you would like that to happen, not force it. You don't force it. No. So it's it's this isn't. It, here's the thing: the uh-huh. odds of of this like and this day may never come. Totally, the odds yeah? of it ever happening because we're right. not in a movie. We're not well, in a tightly plotted movie where Sun, where, Sun, where, Sun, where didn't Chekhov, think that day would Chekhov's come. man has to go off in the third act. We're, that's not how that's right. things if you see work. Chekhov's man on the wall. He's going to have to fire by the time you get to the toll booth. Right. So here, uh, like, but for example, I have been in San Francisco a few times for uh-huh. WWC. You live there. Yeah. So sometimes we see each other. True. Sometimes John Roderick visits San Francisco very, very rarely. If those three things happened at the same time, it would mm. be incumbent upon you to put me in the same room with with John. Could you capture all of these in a place where I could, could you like have like, a, I don't know, Wikia site or somewhere where I could know... Like obviously you've got your first order hookups, but you, but you know that's in, you know that's incumbent upon you anyway. Cause I don't I've, know. I've done, a pod, hard to I've done a podcast with John. We're practically buds, right? Yeah. And no. but but you would be the nexus for that. But the odds of those thing, three things happening at the same time are incredibly small, and you're not trying to make them happen. I'm just saying if they did, what if I fake my death? Understood. Would that help? No. Okay. So that so that I mean I feel like that is an established understanding that if all three of us were there, okay. We yes. would have to meet. That would right? that would be in very the same way that it is yeah. an understanding that if the two of us are there, we should try to meet. Yes, we have. We made it happen. We've made it happen several times. You do. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Right? You, for you example, see for many this, more implicit patterns than I do. So if uh, it doesn't need to be a wiki, it could just be an Apple Note that you share with me. But if you could capture all these things that I should know, that would be super helpful to uh, me. I I think you're on the same page with these. I think you, I think, you think uh, a lot of things. I sharpen you. I sharpen you like a knife. You should, you, you you know it. You know it in your bones. Mm. Like you know that this would be a thing. Right. For for example, mm. if I was in San Francisco at the same time you did one of your ungainly X Men thing, sure, it's understood that I would be at that. It does right? that understood. Yes, huh. of course I would. Huh? I, I but would. The odds I would enjoy that. Happening that. are almost zero because I'm almost no, never there. And if I was there, I'd be there zero. for WWDC and not for a it's, comics thing. No, it's the birthday party problem. Like you, no, no, it's entirely possible. What we have to do is we have to, we have to, if these 10,000 flowers are going to blossom, we got to be there to pick them, even even if they haven't grown up yet. Yeah. So in this, this year, if I go and it's in San Jose, we yeah, probably won't even see, see each other unless see you at all. No, slap no. your butt down. <laughs> it's not going to happen, no. Yeah. No. So, I mean, you, exactly. You can go and get some pho. You could go to Dave and Buster's and play video games. Um, you yeah. could go to like probably if I was some... in, 
if I was, for for example, if I was in where does where does John live? Seattle, right? Seattle. Mm-hmm. If well, if I was there, I would probably stop by. Hmm. He would do that. He's very accommodating. I mean, what else is he doing all day? I would knock on his door and, and in the middle of his podcasting and interrupt him and say, "Hey, guess what? Anagram for Mongo." Yeah, let's yeah. say some candelabras. Come on. Yeah, bring me in. I'm here to polish some brass. Mm-hmm.